Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi. I thought we would try something a little different this week. We have tons of new shows in the can, getting edited, ready to come out to you. We were even going to run a different show this week. But because Flowers in the Attic was trending all over Twitter, I was seeing it on TikTok too, I thought this would be a perfect time to rerun one of my favorite episodes to record, one of you guys's at the time, like probably one of your favorite episodes of all time. But I feel like it's been a while since... It's been years since we've had this on the main feed for you guys. So this is maybe for a lot of you the first time you've heard Karen Kilgariff and I recapping Flowers in the Attic. This is movie one of about, I don't know, 12 that Lifetime made. We still haven't even, I haven't even gotten to the other ones yet, but this movie will stay with you in a special way, much like I'm sure the books have stayed with so many of you. It was just so loud on Twitter this week. All of the people were just reminiscing about this nasty, nasty little book. All right. Enjoy this episode and we'll have a new episode for you next week. Welcome to season three of Mother May I Sleep With podcast. I'm your host, Molly McAleer. Karen Kilgariff, we are doing Flowers in the Attic today, wagon stuff. <laughs> he knows what the movie's about. That's right. He's so very uh, offended. You really wanted to watch this, and now I understand why. <laughs> but, like, I don't understand. I guess maybe was it the poisoning was how this came up on My Favorite Murder? No. Um, we were talking about – no, I'm not going to be able to remember exactly. But essentially, I said – we were talking, making jokes about having a book club. And then I said, well, then we'll have to read the world, the world's worst book, which is my sweet Audrina. Right. Same author, similar, uh, like storytelling style, obviously it's, you know, genre VC Andrews books. Um, but my sweet Audrina is about, do you want me to just tell you? Yeah, I can hand now I know everything. (laughs) So you can tell me anything. My sweet Audrina, which I read after, um, the flowers in the attic series. And I'm not sure chronologically how they go, but my sweet Audrina is the story of a girl who is the second Audrina and her sister, the first and best Audrina, which that phrase is repeated throughout the book so many times that you can't believe it. Um, because VC Andrews loves like a, a chorus. She loves to just bring it back around and say the same thing over and over. So my, uh, the second Andrina um, lives in the house with her papa and her mother who have a tumultuous relationship. And then her mean aunt and her even meaner cousin. 
And eventually, and she keeps getting taken up into an attic. Okay. Her pop-up sits her in the rocking chair and they hypnotize her for some reason. Okay. Then she, they don't let her go out that much. She, when she finally goes out, there's a boy who lives in the woods with his mother and she immediately falls in love with him. She's 12. Sure. Okay. She's 10 or 12 and the boy is 12. And they have, like, immediate passionate romance. Okay. And then, basically, the reveal is that the second Audrina is actually the first and best Audrina. Okay. But she was violently gang-raped in the forest on her way home from school one day. Oh, my God. So the parents hypnotized her into believing she was her own sister. Okay. So that she wouldn't have to live with that psychic damage. Um and then she's basically, and they're trying to fight her piecing it all back together. Okay. Okay. And when you, there's like, these books are written for 12 year old girls. Sure. This, sure. This, v. Sanders is all about titillating. Uh, I was going to say, like, I was saying to Sammy before this, I had never read V. Sanders and I was like, what a chaotic mind that much. But now I'm like, <laughs> oh, the themes are pretty clear and yeah. raw and obvious. Like yes. this is what happened to V. Sanders, some version of it. Now, what, like, can I ask at the time, like, would you, obviously this isn't a Babysitter's Club book, but, like, what would you compare this to? Like, where does this fall in the spectrum of, like, YA literature? Okay, this is forbidden YA literature. So this is the book you were actually reading when you were pretending to read Judy Bloom's Deanie. Okay, okay. Or one of those books. Like, I honestly got caught reading this book, reading, um, I think it was My Sweet Audrina, and and my mom opened my bedroom door and I threw it under my bed and my mom goes what is what is just show me yeah and I pulled out Dini and she's like honey you can read that book because <laughs> I knew if I showed her that Lucy <laughs> Andrews book she'd be like this is filth meanwhile my mother read all of that shit yeah she plowed through those kinds of books constantly so we it was basically the young adults fiction where that you steal off your mom's okay bureau, okay essentially. okay. Yeah, I mean, I will say that this has, like, oddly, given the subject matter of this movie, which I will probably be spoiling in three seconds from now, <laughs> but, like, it, it's, like, a disgustingly generational thing, and then, like, I've, everyone on Twitter, anyone I've spoken to about this was saying, like, yeah, I was into it, but then also my mom was, too, or, like, my aunt, yes. and I was, like... I wouldn't even be able to look at them knowing that they were reading that too. I like, know. I mean, I had a hard enough time knowing my mom knew, speaking of Judy Bloom, what was like that I was reading, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Like, I yes. had trouble justifying to myself that my mom knew I was reading a book about a girl getting her period, <laughs> let alone this deep, fiction. deep and direct and, yeah, and almost almost indignant incest yeah no like, like whether you like it or not you will be a part of incest in this yes. family like it is it's a rite of passage it's a right a rite of passage and almost it's as if they're trying to lay out this idea that the grandmother the way the grandmother talks to the daughter and then right. the effect of that is essentially they plant the seeds of ideas of incest in sure. the children's heads yeah right when they arrive right when they arrive and like they really are it did take them like a good i would say a good year to catch on like yeah. she kept <laughs> kathy was shocked every time every grandma time. came up and said something and i was like good like she should be like that's an i'm glad that the they're not playing this with the character being, like, hip to this in any way. Right. But, like, can we just, before we, I mean, I don't know when, when the time is really to talk about this. Like, <laughs> Let's do it can, now. I guess like, we'll explore it throughout. But, like, who is the real villain here? Because I actually found Olivia, to the grandmother, to be very, like, 
I started to sympathize for her at the end. Like, just like, what is that like to be like the kept wife of this very rich and powerful man that like you have this daughter that's like beautiful and everyone fawns over her and you think maybe your husband would probably rather be with her. Yes. Like, and that you just have to keep your mouth shut and stay in the household and like right. hand throw those elaborate parties that they kept saying were so gorgeous. But I was like, then how about you set decorate so that they seem impressive? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you can't just rent a Victorian I and know. act like that's going to do the job for you. The house itself is very like we open up on this like huge country home and like I honestly – Looking at it, I was like, I can't tell if that's really nice or very great gardens. Like, it's very – from the second you see it, it's not clear if someone's lived there today or 100 years ago. (laughs) But (laughs) then I – there's this – oh, sorry. There's this, like, jealousy dynamic between the mom and the daughter that I'm kind of like, well, then maybe the the mom was just always really sick and the dad was getting her out of there to, like, go play and hang out because he's like, I don't want you with your mentally ill bitch mom all day. Could be. Could be, but – you know, and we'll get to this part, right? Like, uh, but there is that moment at the Christmas party where he gives her a, a, his daughter a necklace and then his daughter kisses him on the mouth. Now, it's maybe gross. this is my Irish Catholic upbringing. Yeah. But my grandmother, literally, when you would say hello to my grandmother and you'd lean in to kiss her, she'd go, she would turn her cheek entirely as if you were going to try to sneak one on the lips. Yeah, as, yeah, yeah. Like as a child. Yeah. So, so that's how like sexually repressed and not having it everyone in my family is. I mean, I wasn't surprised by any of the modesty comments or anything like that. I was like, I am. Su- I'm also surprised that she wore that to the family Christmas party. Like that <laughs> it does not seem particularly modest to me either. I also don't think the two oldest children, boy and girl, should share the bed. It doesn't make I sense. I agree. That they, why aren't two girls in one bed and two boys in the other? Which Right is the this family is almost like they're fighting they fight against the natural way people are totally and and then going like but what's the problem and it's just like just get in the right beds children don't talk to each other like this but right an older brother and his younger sister don't sit and have deep conversations eye to eye for like an hour on the roof literally like a couple with like money troubles like having like coffee after dinner like the way that they just like sat around and talked to each other like i was so it was of another time truly like i was like this is the most 80s shit i've seen because that's when i was a child when adults would sit at tables and have conversations (laughs) but it was like i i mean there's so much going on here and also just like maybe a way to explain it if you don't want to explain like the sexual nature of all of it is just I don't know put one big one and one small one in the bed <laughs> like why would you put the two biggest the ones two in the bed it doesn't make sense in any direction no. like it just even just in tetra style of what would fit here doesn't make sense doesn't make sense and so that the maybe the grandmother part of the reason she was such a cunt she was just tired of explaining the basics to her dipshit daughter <laughs> just right. like Hey, can you like pay attention to this for one second? Yeah. I did like the way the daughter started as this innocent and then slowly but surely you're like, wait, is she the evil one? Yeah. I I thought that once that turn started coming and I've read these books and I've seen the other movies and I still was like, oh, wait a second. (laughs) Like it all was a surprise because I think because I was so distracted by what is what is Heather Graham doing? I know. It's a lot. Well, she's doing a lot. And she's, like, also doing Heather Graham. Like, she is Heather Graham through and through in this movie. Like... It's like Roller Girl got a family. Yes. And then the family became mean to her. 
And like, so I guess that brings up like the nature versus nurture aspect the whole time that I was just wondering, <laughs> truly, honestly, where I was like, maybe Heather Graham's just fucking insane. And these people are just tired of dealing with this batty little like girl that doesn't know how to communicate. So she sexualizes herself like or I don't know. I mean, also, can we just address before we start? There are two older kids. And then there's the two younger kids that are twins, but the older two are not twins, right? No, they are not twins. And that's strange to have kids a good, like, eight years apart, too, right? Yes. Like... It, t- it tells a story. Yeah. It, it, it um... It asks a question that, yeah. we, that we then want answered, but but it also had that thing of when they presented that family in the beginning, like, pre-bad times... Um, and in the book, it's v- very drawn out of how great and idyllic their life is. And they yeah. talk repeatedly about how the neighbors think they're perfect and the neighbors think they're dolls. And right. the neighbors say this about them and that about them because they're so blonde and perfect. Like, okay. That is underlined 11,000 times in the book. And then the, and then the dad is killed and it all goes to shit. But in the beginning, it really is like just every, it, it's like they're just all doing the best they're all having the best time and okay. doing their best and being super beautiful and reaping the benefits of it but like when you say that knowing how fucking crazy everyone is in this movie i'm like <laughs> well maybe they're not even that good looking like <laughs> like when do we start to believe like when is the truth appearing do you know what i mean like maybe the neighbors were joking about how they seem like incest kids like <laughs> And yeah, they just were, they like, know? taking it like that girl on America's Next Top Model. Like, when Tyra would be like, you really failed that challenge. She'd be like, thank you for saying I did great. Like, it was yes. just, like, she took it and turned it into something else. That's, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of that going on in this family, too. Yes. And in this day and age. That's very, very true. It's like, how do you know what the neighbors are saying about you? No. The definition of gossip is no one's saying it to your face. Or totally. what the neighbors are saying. I mean, whatever they're saying must be particularly nasty if that's what they're saying to your face. And they're like you're so beautiful you're You're so so, perfect so perfect and beautiful they just think you're dumb enough to believe that and they were um (laughs) they were so we open up i guess we'll just start it i'm going to play the monologue at the beginning which is particularly haunting i do want to point out that the production designer do you notice his name was james mcatee Oh, really? Yeah. And I like, oh, no, James McAteer was his name. Okay. And I was like, we're one letter off. Like, this is spooky, (laughs) meant to be, but also, like, why don't I know him from around town? That's right. Let's play this. Yellow. Like the sun we rarely saw. When I was very young, I thought life would be like one long and perfect summer day. After all, it started out that way. We were four beautiful children with blonde hair and porcelain skin. People said we looked like those fancy Dresden dolls that grace shelves and mantles. Only, we weren't just admired. We were really loved. But that was before. Life is full of surprises, my mother used to say. And greed. So we're seeing like the attic now that they that they lived in. It's really like two twin beds, and it's like a decent hostel. Like I wouldn't be upset if I got to a European hotel room and it looked like that. Not in the least. Really nice. Um, The window plus the place you can sit on the roof. Yeah, was like 
a, it would be like a great apartment to have in your toilet. Honestly, as an indoor kid, I didn't see any of this as a punishment. Like <laughs> the only like bad part was that you couldn't like kind of pick your food and shit. Yes. But other than that, I mean, this is not a bad setup. It really isn't. You're away. You don't have to like. There's no parents making you do anything. You're just kind of chilling out. No, and if it you seems want so to fuck chill. your brother, you can. <laughs> like if that tension builds to the point Should where you want to do something about it, you just get to because no one's around. Okay. Like I do wonder if this is a fetishy thing though. I mean, it is for some people because I wasn't be. like horned up on it, but I also wasn't like, this is disgusting. I, and it absolutely never would happen. Like I'm like, I guess I could see how. In a remote situation when you have no hope and you're like, well, I'm probably going to die here. So should I just like try and have sex with my brother? Like, yeah, he keeps standing behind me for no reason. Yeah. I might as well like back it up on him. And he's cute and nurturing. He's really cute. He, they, that guy I think was perfect casting Yeah, because he looked like a young little old man. Yes. So that first time he had like a three piece suit on at their yeah. pre bad times party he really is, he's got like a great body and like kind of a, he has that, when he acts like an adult, you buy it. Totally. When she, um, our girl, um, Mrs. Draper, what's her, what was her? Sally Draper. Sally Draper. I didn't watch the show, but I, I kept thinking of her as Sally Draper. Yeah, she is, she is 1000% Sally Draper, a beautiful girl, but she has that quality about her where she's, it seems like she's always complaining about yeah. you know she has like a tone to her where you're like it's not super enjoyable um or like it it made it irritating and very realistic of like i'm being forced to spend time with teenagers yeah yeah and that part i didn't like and on the parts where i thought it would be um titillating or um you know, arousing to watch those two teenagers, you do this forbidden, <laughs> right. culturally taboo thing. It just felt very awkward because I suddenly could see them like at rehearsal or oh. does she like him and he doesn't like her. All I could think of was the behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, what, what is the real scenario that gets them to acting like this on camera? I mean, it's rough like to cast kids in, I would say like the teenage years, no matter what. But then yeah. when it comes to the sensitivity of something like this role, for sure. Yeah. But like, they're also not going to, they're not going to give this role away to some nobody. But what we get instead is some girl that we are already probably predisposed to be annoyed with or have a feeling about. That's right. And with kids in and of themselves, like they're just hard. Like I watched a movie a couple of weeks ago with my friend Ted and we were sitting here like that like 12 year old girl is such a pain in the ass and like yeah. we really like grew to kind of like hate her and I think it's just like the time that time of life is so not enviable for a variety of reasons no we're all one very of them damaged. being I would still go back and relive that in my 20s though 100% I would absolutely <laughs> go be a teenager again instead of my 20s are you kidding me um but yeah, so she's um, it's it's Sally Draper. She's a star, and whoever this kid is, he's great. He's good. We open up um, then on their home back in what is is this the sixties? Here's the thing I was gonna say. Yeah, that fancy party at Foxwood Manor looked like it was the thirties for sure. When the mother comes and brings them clothes, the clothes look like they're from the sixties. Yeah, but then some shit happens, and you think it hurt. Like Heather Graham's hair looks like the eighties the entire time. Yeah, there's no. There's no defining thing when the when the father first comes home. Yeah, he looks like he's straight out of the fifties, straight up. And the music and the cars as well also kind of lend to that. But then you go to this like mid century modern sort of like house, and yeah. I'm just like, where do they? In the book, where was it supposed to be? The sixties? 
they, I don't no remember time. them saying. It would be very weird if it was like this happened like two months ago. Like yeah. this happened right before <laughs> printing. Like they, I mean, this has to happen in another time. Yes. Or it's just also them taking a train. Everything about it, it felt like they were trying to put it in almost it, like that it was gothic. Yeah. This was supposed to be like a gothic modern novel. Yeah. But they didn't really pull up all any of the other details to kind of like, it, like it would have been super cool if they got there and the grandmother was so crazy and religious that they all had to wear like sackcloth or something Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. The idea that the mother would bring them presents and be like, well, I brought you more presents into your, up in your little jail attic. Right. Like, and that they would be like, all right, for so long. By the time they break, you're like, you. any normal kid would have broken about eight days into this whole experiment. Absolutely. I mean, the fact that they had to watch two younger ones, like when the younger ones at one point say, like, you're being mean, I was like, oh, that's the experience I recall. Yeah. Like, dealing with, like, a five-year-old as, like, a 13-year-old. Like, oh, they're just, like, petulant. Yes. And I don't know. I mean, I, I truly don't know how this fake family did it, but like, it isn't, <laughs> they're either petulant or they're eating something that kills them. Right. That's there's the, that too. Those are the two when you're a teen trying to like be around, raise or tend to children. Can you imagine? I would just like, I would happily eat the poison. I would never try and get out of this situation. I'd just be like, whatever. Like, look I would at where just we run are. To my brother's big, bulky arms <laughs> again and again. Totally. Um, so they're like a very much like a real American family based off of everything we see. Like, the dad comes home from a business trip with. I would say, like, the most obvious – they have the most obvious sign of, like, buying your child's love and affection. And this it's very heavy-handed. <laughs> Nothing yes. in this movie is very lightly done. No. So, like, it's instant Americana. Dad gets home. There's toys for everyone. Present for his wife. He gives her a gold necklace. Um, and then we see him and the kids are playing football in the backyard. Mom brings out an apple pie. She's got big news. Dad's the new vice president. Amazing. Kathy, the daughter, who's very she's very upset right away because this means that her dad's going to be gone more. Yep. Um, which seemed normal at the time. And now looking back, I'm like, man, who knows what was going on there? <laughs> who knows why she wants him around house so much? <laughs> I know. And he brings her that promise ring. Yeah. Which is not a thing a dad is anyone wants a dad to do for no. a girl. And this is pre, like, even in the text and, and in this, well, not really the movie, but, like, pre-promise ring culture. Do you yes. know what I mean? Where yes. that was very common for a while. Right. But, um, you know, it seems Heather, like they're laying down the incestuous themes there as early as possible. Yeah. Like, question all of these relationships. And I, I definitely... There's some things I picked up on and some things I was shocked weren't the case, but... I do want to throw out that Kathy, when her mom comes out with the apple pie, she's like, I baked your apple pie. Mm -hmm. She's like, no, you didn't. You left the bakery sticker on, which I didn't think was like as cunty as I would later wind up thinking it might have been. <laughs> like now I'm like, you're just very petty. But also like everyone knows the difference between a fresh made pie and a bakery pie. Like, yeah, mom, you didn't put a glaze on your pie. Right. Like, He's been on the road. He's not an idiot. Yeah. Like he hasn't <laughs> forgotten pie. So like. <laughs> Um, right away they, we see like next we go to another scene, dad's come, gone for a business trip and we see we're at like a very like beautifully decorated, um, surprise party for his birthday. This is the, it's like VC Andrews sitting there at her desk with her quill mm. and she was like, what's the most tragic way to get bad news? A surprise <laughs> party. It's like the cheesiest. Also, when right. When they're preparing for this party, I think there's another conversation about how everyone thinks they're perfect. Yeah. And the four of them, 
or however many five of yeah, them. Yeah, that's exactly. They're standing like f- five abreast in the living room in a way that no family ever has, like shoulder to shoulder, facing a direction. Like, here we go for a party. <laughs> like, that's right. So, because they're the the neighbors call them the Dresden dolls, which she says in the beginning were like those dolls that line up on a mantle. That's right. Which, that's right. I didn't know that's what a Dresden doll was. I didn't either. I, I assumed it was something much more punk rock. And now <laughs> I almost was like, why are you giving that? Like, I assume Dresden's like the company. Like, I guess so. Why are you giving them the plug? I know. Or it, it like it's a different version of Hummel. Yeah. Or like, um, what are they called? Those. And it's Russian not an Alexander dolls? McQueen doll. What is it called? It's so it's begins. It's a mix something. I don't know what it is, but, but Madame Alexander. That's like what I was figurine? thinking. Yes. Madame Alexander. It's like those dolls that yeah, with like the porcelain little heads and then they have like curls. Oh, right. Okay. Do you know like those sick old lady dolls? Yes. Like I assume, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I think like Royal Dalton in my head. That's what my grandmother collected those, those things. Actually, okay. I have some that are coming in the mail. That did come. That was from the will. That wow. actually made wow. its way over a good 13 years later. Congratulations. My two dolls. Yeah. No, I'm excited for them. Um, but like, I, I just, um, I, yeah. So we'll go into this part next, which is that they're having the big surprise party. As you know, some very tragic news is coming, <laughs> but like they all hide to like do the surprise. And then instead of the dad coming in, it's a police officer, which like the second you see a police officer, which should, who should never let themselves in your house, by the way, no. um, <laughs> like, you know, what's going on. Everyone knows that means there's very bad news on the other side of it. It's never a friendly officer dropping by to like, not, not tell you your husband's dead. Yeah. And it took Heather Graham. Like, this is where I start to really see like, oh, is she batty or is she like kind of dumb or is this just Heather Graham like trying to act through something? She, like, takes a good, you know, five seconds of seeing him and then, like, two and a half seconds after the news to even emote. And it's very strange as the daughter seems to have already known what's happened from the window. Yes, which it's such a good point. And everybody knows this isn't just movies. Everyone knows this. If a cop cop shows up to your house, it's it's game over. Yeah. Anything that's happening after that is going to be scream crying and hysteria. So it's crazy that she'd be like, hello, yes, officer, (laughs) we're trying to have a party or whatever. And then she goes into this thing where what I called it, she's playing Xanax. Yeah. It just seems like she's kind of like past feeling. So they did do a good job of taking the life out of her. I did notice that for like as far as the makeup or whatever is concerned. A lot of times it is hard to dial back on someone, especially someone as pretty as Heather Graham. For sure. Which, by the way, there's so much conversation around how pretty she is, especially, like, from her. Like, and I always think of that as, like, a very... I'm like, that is a different level of confident where it's, like... Or maybe it's no confidence. I can't tell what it is. But to just be able to objectively call yourself pretty, like, that is really a special level of confidence it's true well and she kind of turns it a little bit in the scene after that when she starts to say that they have to go back Mm -hmm. to her mother's house because all she knows how to do is be pretty it's all she's ever been good at all her life and i want to go yeah as if that's really weighs against people out in the industry right exactly what are you talking about like pretty people get way further way faster and she was she's saying it like it's really going to count against her out there with all the smart ugly people and she said it's hard for women to get a job which i also was like okay maybe this is like still the 50s or like yeah something where it's like okay i don't know maybe she can 
be like a school secretary. But um, <laughs> she says, look at me. I'm an ornament. The only thing I was ever good at is being pretty. And like, I just wrote, this feels profound. Like it felt like a serious moment to me where I was like, can you imagine like having this great life and then wait a minute, like, oh my God, my life is in shambles and I'm just pretty. Like that is dark and I mean now we know how young she was scooped up we can see why she wouldn't have much of an exploration phase past that but like that's dark it's super dark although I just feel like there's so many more the benefits really outweigh the drawbacks in being pretty yeah so the idea that she's really only choosing to focus on and how how it is you know maybe makes her feel less than, or she only feels like an ornament or whatever, but it's like, okay, but I bet you there's going to be people out there that really don't make you feel that way. Right. Cause you look like Heather Graham. Right. Right. So right. Just try to be a secretary and see what great things come to you. Like, yeah. Give it a whirl. I did say to this girl, though, that I met the other week, she came out here with my friend and she's like 24 years old and she's like flawlessly gorgeous. And I did say to her, I said, like, I say this as sincerely as this could possibly come across. Like, I do feel like, your life has probably been harder because you're so pretty. Really? Because I think that she's also very, very smart. And I could also just see like everything being very like, you know, undercomplicated for her. Like she can't be smart. Like, or if she's in a situation, she's probably getting unwanted attention. True. And I'm like, I feel like I'm that think piece that everyone passes around the, you know, like, you know, the internet for three days after being like, listen to this cunt. But like, seriously, I looked at her <laughs> and I just was like, you are so, I'm like, I feel like this could only be a detriment to you at a certain point. Yeah. And with Heather Graham's character, I don't feel that way. Cause she's also a dingus, but like, <laughs> she is like, you know, I guess it's an, I mean, it's a thought, you know, it's a well, thought for sure. The atten- the unwanted attention aspect, yes, 100%. But I feel like that's a thing girls learn very early on. Sure. How to camouflage themselves and how to change that and be basically be the chameleons that we all have to end up being yeah. to like navigate. Yeah. So, or, or, or choose not to very specifically. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But I also think you're right that, but maybe to give it full, all the credit that it could ever deserve that maybe that what they're doing is unfolding this concept that the character Heather Graham's character has been kept as an ornament. Yeah. Therefore it's not just that she's pretty. It's just that she's always been treated in this singular way. Yeah. Never gotten to be anybody else. Yeah. There's so, there's so much here. So, um, wow. Um, (laughs) I like just got three more thoughts and got really excited. (laughs) Let's get deep. So Heather Graham, um, asked her daughter to like, pop another letter in the mail for her it's very obvious that she's been sending off when something's just written to an estate like that is like very chic to me like yes. I one could only hope the mailman knows who I mean it's that kind of shit right yeah so um the mail um we learned that they're actually falling really far behind on bills um they're in a lot of financial trouble Kathy has to Kathy has to sort of relate to her mom that like the dance teacher said she can't come anymore. Yeah. Which is like a certain type of financial ignorance that I'm really like, I thought was attractive in this piece where I'm like, (laughs) Oh, the mom is so out of it that the daughter's like, we can't pay for my ballet anymore. Yes. Um, that actually, when I see that in movies, it does fill me with a lot of anxiety because both of my parents were so controlling and so in charge that that idea that, when and I knew kids like that where they had to be the adults, yeah, for whatever reason, what was going on in their family, and it always just made me be like, Oh, thank god, like, yeah, thank god, because I had the pushiest, 
not the pushiest, but just like the most in charge mom of all totally. time. Totally. Like I never like we I never thought that like life was super luxurious or anything like that, but I definitely my mom also never like saddled me with like a huge burden either. Like yes. I remember one girl like came in one day and was like yeah, we're not doing presents at Hanukkah this year. Like, my family's really tight on money. And I remember sitting there being like, there's no way my mom would have given me that spin. Like, there no wouldn't have way. been presents at for Christmas. Like, it would have been a lot leaner. But, like, there's no way that the spin of, you know, we're having trouble with money. And, like, also you can repeat this to your classmates. <laughs> like, that would have <laughs> yes. never, ever fucking happened in no. my house. No um, way. So these kids have never dealt with money in any way either. They don't know basically that they don't realize what credit is and they don't know that they're basically there. Everything in the house is not really theirs. Um, So she's really like Heather Graham's back is against the wall here. So apparently she does. She does at one point say to Sally Draper, like, you know, you're lucky you had a dad who thought you were special. And she says, well, I'm just like, it's because I'm just like you. And she said, well, in looks, maybe you're more aggressive and determined. You're just (laughs) like his mother. And he loved his mother. And she says, doesn't everyone love their mother? And she says, some mothers are impossible to love. They don't act like mothers at all. So then like literally a beat later, she comes running out to the lawn, like in her bathrobe and says, like, kids, I've got an announcement to make. She brings them in, explains to them what credit is and that they (laughs) basically are in way over their heads and that... Not only does she have a family that they didn't know about, but yeah. they're going to go live with them. And the family's very, very rich and they're going to be taken care of and they'll have a thousand more of anything they leave behind. Yes. And a lake. Which like, come on. Like, well, because they, she says we're leaving tonight. Yeah. Which is crazy. And you, it's that thing of, in it feels like old old yeah um novels or old books or whatever where it's just like you no one needs to leave tonight there's right. no it's just like pack your shit and look we have to figure some stuff out like the we leave tonight unless she just killed somebody kind of doesn't make a ton of sense also heather graham in those like scenes leading up to that kind of announcement she keeps showing up in like a robe or like she keeps showing up like the hot waitress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, there's no connection to these children. You right. don't feel anything motherly. And maybe like later on I went, oh, maybe I was supposed to be irritated by that or that was supposed to stand out to me. Yeah. But in the beginning, it feels like Heather Graham's like, I, I guess I'll do this in between projects. She has like a dote. It's like a doting mom impression. Um, so, so they get on an old fashioned train, they get on the fucking train and they go all the way down to, or down to, I guess Charlotte is where they're about to stop and the, or the stop before Charlotte. So they're in Virginia and the train guy's like all concerned for them. He's like, it's three o'clock in the morning. Like, we can't just like leave you here. Do you want to go to Charlotte? She's like, no, we're getting picked up. Well, guess what? Motherfucker. They're not getting picked up. (laughs) They have to walk now with their no bags, which I was really surprised that they didn't bring like, why not take a car, Heather Graham, drive it down to Virginia. They'll repo it from your parents' house. Like if it's a credit issue, (laughs) but like, what's the logic of we'll only take this one bag. You can come get my bag later. Do they do that on trains? I I was not aware that they did that for you. I don't think you get to leave shit behind. Oh, this is clearly pre nine 11. I guess 100% leaving bags behind willy nilly. It's we're, we know we're not in the two thousands in any way. No, that's true. You're right. I mean, yeah, the, the trust system of just, (laughs) I'm going to leave behind my bag. So the kids and her, they all walk through the night, um, to the big house. We get there it is just as grand as you're probably imagining. It literally looks like like something that the that 
royalty lives in. Yes. Like Mapperton from Ladies of London, for anyone who needs a Real Housewives reference. Um, <laughs> so the mom answers the door, right? She says, we need to get there before dawn, and it's a long walk. So they do a, they do this long walk, and they get there, and then right away, Ellen Burstyn opens the door, and she goes, well, look what the cat dragged in. And Ellen Burstyn, again, her the finger waves in her hair yeah. make you go, no, is this 1898? Yeah, yeah, she yeah. She busts out of that door, and you're like, what's this movie that yeah. we're in now? Because first of all, it's Ellen Burstyn. So yeah, sure. For the first time, perhaps, since the movie started, there's some acting actually, like, electrifying the screen. Yeah. So you're like, okay, here we go. But at the same time, she is playing old crone and, like, evil old lady to a hilt in, in a way that's beyond. Yeah. Can we just start saying now that this is a wig? <laughs> Do you like, can I is? just get it over with? No, it is a wig. It like, is. because, well, I mean, I don't know about Ellen Burson's like, <laughs> private life. But, like, I will say, as far as this movie is concerned, at one point we find out towards the end. You're right. That she is a very, very old, bald lady. Yes, I And forgot. she's holding on to these strings. Like, she's got these stringy little wisps that go all the way down to her elbows. <laughs> and, like, I mean... Where I'm from, when you're old, you proudly chop that hair off and maybe you tone it blonde or you go with that natural gray. But either way, I mean, there's no reason at a certain age to have hair past your nips. I thought that scene... My mother used to get so mad when women over 40 had long hair. I, I don't love it. She talked about it every time. <laughs> Not women over anyone. 40, but you know what I mean. <laughs> it was always like... She's, my mother would... The second she saw somebody, be like, she's too old to have that hair. She's right. too old to have that hair. But... That scene, I honestly thought was a continuity mistake. Oh, when I when the wispies part you thought came the out, whole ass wig was a con like. <laughs> well, I just thought that when they showed her oh, having long oh. wispy hair, I was like, well, that doesn't look like she finger waves it into oh, that thing. Yeah, no. And now I understand it was supposed to unnerve me, but they backlit her and kind of made her look like a magical angel yeah so then i just kind of didn't i may have started looking at my phone at that point though. well she just looks alive and i don't think that you would expect this woman is in failing health or has a wig or anything like that and then right. you wind up finding out she's much more frail than you would assume but i mean she is a strong ass old lady like i'll just say that i would not I wouldn't fuck with this lady to save my life. Hell no. You don't want to fuck with Ellen Burstyn in any way. But then this version of her, what I really love, though, is when she's talking to those little kids. Yeah. You can tell the love comes through her eyes. I know. She can't be that mean. I know. She's like being kind of sassy to them. Yeah. But she's not scary. Yeah. And it makes me love Ellen Burstyn so much. Well, it's her own fragility. I mean, I think that's the part of me that doesn't want to believe Olivia is like the craziest mentally ill person in this story. (laughs) Like she has a fragility to to her that's actually pretty sweet she does yes. a great job with it yeah so the kids are you know minded to be just like be quiet while you walk through the house you have to be silent um which should have been a big tip to them that things were not going to go the way that they planned but they go all the way up these like four flights basically to a um an attic where we've already described is basically just like a little a hostel room in a hotel or like it's two twin beds in a lovely wallpapered guest room and again and I'm, I'm sure it's because this is this, it's such an old house, but we're now on a set that looks like it's from the thirties. Totally. So again, you don't know what the era is because we're clearly, the idea is, is this is out of time. Totally. And so you're, they're just going into this place and they're going to be there. And it's, it's what it was for whoever else got locked in there 
30, 40 years ago. The enormity of their wealth like really sat with me when I was thinking about just what it would cost to run a house like that for a week, let alone like a whole calendar year with all those extra rooms and everything. It just, it's crazy. They have servants. Yeah. They have maids. They have, uh, what are they called? Groundskeepers. Yeah. What's, I mean, that's going to run you 10 mil a year. Easy. Easy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I wonder how these people got their money. We don't know. Um, (laughs) I said publishing. Yeah, sure. (laughs) So, um, the twins are exhausted when they get there, they start to go to bed and then we see this scene where they're kind of going to sort things out. Of course I have to play this speech for you. Thank you for taking us in mother. I don't know what we would have done. I'm not your father, Corinne. Your groveling has always bored me. Loved that. Damn. I see your children inherited your good looks. I just hope there's no hidden defect or affliction. I didn't agree to run a circus here. My children are perfect, physically and mentally. They just need some rest. Well, the two older children can't share a bed. Kathy and Christopher are children. They're they're innocent. Yes, that's what I used to presume about you. Well, if you're so worried, why don't you put them in a separate room? Heaven knows there's enough here. No, this is the only safe room where your father can't hear them. Put the two girls in one bed and the two boys in the other one. And when your mother and I leave here, I will lock this room from the outside. And you will keep the drapes closed. And remember... God sees everything. God sees what evil you do behind my back. I'll wait for you out in the hall. Grandfather doesn't know we're here. I'm sorry I should have told you the truth, but I didn't want you to be frightened. When I was 18, I did something my parents didn't approve of. So my father wrote me out of his will. Is that why she hates us? She doesn't hate you. She's just jealous of how much I love you guys and your dad. How much my father used to love me. That's why we're here. I'm going to win him back. He's going to put us in his will. He's 78 years old and he's dying. And I just need a little time alone to reconnect with him. How much time? I don't know exactly. Maybe a few days or a week. When I win my father over... I'm going to take you all down to meet him. And I know he'll love each and every one of you just as much as I do. We'll be fine up here. We're Foxworth. And tomorrow I'll bring toys and games, and I'll come visit you as much as I can. And just whatever you do, don't make your grandmother angry, okay? Corinne, what is that in that child's hand? It's a promise ring from my father. Give it to me. Mom, she can't. Dad gave it to me. I said give it to me, girl. This episode is sponsored by Book of the Month. I've been subscribed to Book of the Month for three months now, and I'm obsessed. If you're a big reader or maybe even a lapsed big reader who's been wanting to get back into it regularly, consider checking it out. Book of the Month, they've read like hundreds of books every month from new and emerging authors, and they whittled on the list to just the very best. 
They provide you a diverse little selection of hardcover fiction to pick from, which is an element of it that I really love. I can find going into the bookstore to be super overwhelming. And when I know I have about a dozen really solid options to choose from, it makes the decision way easier. Plus, it's cheaper than other options. Shipping is always free. And there's a loyalty program with rewards and even lower prices if you choose to stick around. There's an app where you can pick your upcoming books and track the progress of your reading, and there are challenges on there with rewards. Your book arrives in a super aesthetically pleasing box, by the way. That's the kind of touch that I always really appreciate. Personally, I read at my own pace. Sometimes I can only get to one of my two books a month, and I keep the ones I haven't read yet on my windowsill right next to my bed so I can just see them all there. It inspires me to pick one up and read. It's nice to have options in front of you. If you're interested in trying it out, you can get your first book for $5 with code pastel at bookofthemonth.com. That's code pastel at bookofthemonth.com. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Or must I speak more slowly? <laughs> yeah, that's a raised fist, yeah, y'all. That that slowly was a raised fist. I just thought it would be cool if there was a high school um, mascot that was and Ellen Burstyn with her fist up. Yes. <laughs> Come on, Corinne. That's enough. I'm sorry. I promise all our dreams are going to come true. Just trust me. I have to say, I'm, I may have said mean things. I really love watching Heather Graham oh, as a performer. Totally. No, she's someone that's like, I mean, she's super fun to watch. Yeah. Like, that's why I was kind of like happy for her that she got this. You know what I mean? Like, yes. even when Heather Graham's just like, you're like, oh, she's not hurting anyone. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> let her have it. Like, she's fun. Yeah. Well, and also I trust... Because, like, I love that movie from hell where it's her and Johnny Depp and the Jack the Ripper yeah. story. And she's doing a terrible Irish accent, which yeah. ev- which most people do. Yeah. If we're going to be honest. I feel that way about the Boston accent, too, where Ugh. I'm just like, you fucking suck at this. You yeah. Either, you either have to be from Boston or you don't do the accent. Yeah. I think those should be the only. And the same with Irish is much harder than people think. Yeah. Um, and so, but even still, she was, like, great. So I think by the end of this... I started going, could it be that this was her plan all along to be, to seem kind of empty? Yeah. Because actually she isn't a mother truly in her heart and she, it doesn't care about these kids for real. Yeah. And that's why I was getting that sense. 
I kind of, like, watched her eyes a little bit when Ellen Burstyn was just, like, going in on her daughter like that. Because I always take problem with that and I, or take issue with that in any sort of real-life scenario where, like, a parent is watching someone else discipline their child and they don't step forward. Right. Like, perhaps, like, perhaps, like, massage the dynamic a little bit and be like, <laughs> my mom's really strict, just so you know, like, or something. But there's been no heads up for either side here. Right. So, like, I was kind of, like, it did look like she almost was, like wincing a little bit like she was watching a knife get put in when she was but I don't know if Heather Graham knew the camera was on her at all in this scene but like I I just caught a little glimpse of her in between the two of them and I was like oh she seems to kind of be liking this or at the very least not not loving it right you know which is not not this standard mother response no not at all but like so then Speaking of standard not mother responses, like, the whole (laughs) idea of just, like, incest being brought up from the jump, like, what we don't know now, I guess, is another piece to this, but, like... I don't know if there's like an odd chance that you can maybe keep the teenagers you've locked in your attic from fucking. Like maybe do you don't want to like plant the seeds there, so to speak? Or yeah. Those flowers. It's just that thing of like most people who parent teenagers know that if you act like you give a big shit about a thing you think might be a problem, they're going to do the thing. Yeah. So standing at the doorway being like, I know you two touch each other's privates or whatever, where they're both like, what the fuck? And it's like, it's so, it really is so like, you're made to be insanely uncomfortable about these two people totally. and their, any interaction they have from the beginning. And it takes, for me, it ruins all the like kind of 70s titillating aspect. Yeah. And it, I just become intensely, intensely uncomfortable. Yeah. For them. Yeah. I um, I don't know if she genuinely fears that they're going to sleep together or if she just wants to be the one who called it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like at a certain point, I was just like, are you just throwing this out there and seeing what sticks? Like, because you seem positive this is going to happen, like for something that you know, hopefully won't, but maybe she just, I mean, we also, we don't know what the other thing here is. I don't know how deep the incest really goes in this family, like what it means to them as a family. Because they're alluding and you would, you're you're kind of led to believe that like that, uh, what's her name? Not Colleen. Uh, Corinne. Corinne has fucked her own father. Yes. Um, against her mother's wishes. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? a product like, of incest herself or something, you and know? And then married what you believe to be at the point where this is all happening and she's saying your products of sin and all that shit. You're like, oh, so she married her brother? Yeah. And so almost like, oh, this is just this family tradition and yeah. we, we're the ones that need to adjust to this family <laughs> right. as opposed to like they're in our world. Yeah. It's just... I think when I was a teen reading all this, I was just like, I didn't know any of this was possible. It was yeah. like that feeling yeah. that you got with all these dirty ideas. Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, is that flowers in the attic, like, the more this all sits with you, the more it's just, like, again, so heavy-handed of a title. Like, it couldn't have been more in every way. I mean, V.C. Andrews, I'm not a f- – I'm now a new not fan. Like, I'm decidedly not a fan <laughs> of her work because of how heavy-handed it all is. So when, when we talked about um, my sweet Audrina on uh, my favorite murder, I we got sent a couple um, articles that people had written about how actually V.C. Andrews was very feminist for her time. 
um, which I thought was kind of funny because I, which I think that's that take thing where people are like, what's the standard take? Of course, that this is all wrong or nobody should be doing it. And then we're going to flip it on its ear and be like, no, fuck yeah. It's- Why are we happy for like Sally Draper, like having like a burgeoning sexual desire, like of sorts? Like, what are we... I'm going to be honest, I didn't read the article. Right. I just was like, oh, that's, I'm glad, <laughs> Got the headline. I'm glad someone's being, you know, counterintuitive and trying to think of something interesting, but. I mean, it probably was. I mean, pretty much anyone who probably wrote like a woman in any sort of role of action at the time was probably a feminist as far as these things were concerned. Yeah. And maybe the logic was she just made the best of a bad situation and didn't um, like kill herself over it. Right. And got kind of very empowered by you put us up here and it's natural and look at my brother. He's fucking peace. Yeah. VC Anders definitely needs to chill on the grandparents and like teenager sexuality thing. <laughs> like that is, I feel like I know too much about her private life. All of it. Um, so Kathy wakes up the next morning and one of the toddlers out of bed, she tries to like the toddlers trying to open the window and grandma comes in. She's still de- ex- like explains that she's delivering their weekly or their daily food basket. She can't go up and down the stairs all day. So um, she describes what happens to be like a pretty generous meal selection, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, you know, you need to keep the room like no one lives here. The beds have to be clean all the time and you must be fully clothed. Um, a weird note. Yeah. <laughs> Boys and girls that are never use the bathroom at the same time. Um, and then she tells them that they can play and make noise in the attic on the lot. Um, and on the last day of the month that they need to hide upstairs altogether from the maids. And, yeah. Um, and she <laughs> says that their grandfather would throw them out without a red cent, but not before punishing them for ever being alive. If he were to find out that they existed there. So at this point, like it's a lot of information to take in. It's a lot to take in, but also I did kind of die. at just like Chris's willful ignorance, like throughout a lot of this. And Kathy starts to sort of like piece this together now. Like, this sounds like not promising for us, but like at every turn, Chris believes in his mom and like yes. believes that this is going to be okay. Yes. Which like, God bless him for that in a way. Like someone has to be, I guess, positive in that situation. Especially for those little, uh, fucking five-year-olds where like they, but that is the thing where it leads them. And I think the, that those elements push them to, you know, the one point that's coming up where, uh, Kathy says the little, when the Corey, I believe the little boy yeah. was like, I miss mommy. And then she goes, pretend I'm your mommy. Yeah. Like that. And that move, that like line and the way it's delivered just like sense chills down my spine where I'm just like, no, that would never happen. This is right. little shit that you've grown up with for five years. Yeah. Like, you're not going to overnight turn into like, I know what's best for your psychological Right. She says something like, I'm the one that's there for you anyway. Isn't that what a mother is or something? Which, like, none of her teachings have taught Kathy that. Like, I don't know where Kathy read that or someone said that to her, but it's not Mm -mm. nothing she's seen. They go up to the attic part of the house, which I I wrote this looks like this would be, like, a remarkable playground. Like, I would have loved this when I was a kid, although it's supposed to look very bleak. Like, it's a lot of old school shit. Like, there's record players and boxes of pictures and... There's a dress form, and then Chris looks at it and says, you better hope you inherit from this half of the gene pool. And I just wrote, is the mannequin supposed to have big boobs or something? <laughs> like, I, it had, like, the mannequin was, like, lacked shape in any way. Like, I was like, this would be hell to make a dress on this. I feel like they were laying down the idea that whatever's going on with the rest of the family, Chris is in full horn-out mode right. from the time he arrives. And he's just fighting his basest instincts 
from from jump so he's just like looking at like, right he's looking at a, a dress dummy and he's just like try to be as hot as that bitch you never right. will be and everyone's like chris what are you okay and he's like looking at the old record and then he's like yeah baby look at that big hole probably want to grow up and be like this wooden this wooden thing um but like how old do you think they're supposed to be like 15 and 13 or something like yes because then yeah, it seems like the beginning of teen oh, years. Right. So Kathy finds a desk with a name scratched into it, which we still have not heard about. Uh, we never follow up on that. But she no. says they're not the first kids to have been there. Neither name is Corinne, by the way. Um, the yeah, twins. one of the years, it's like someone's name, and then it says, like, 1893. Right. And I'm like, have Je- like was the grandmother raised up there? Like, how long is this? Ma- I assumed maybe it was, like, the servant's kids or something. I went to, like, a oh, place yeah. of just, like, that makes sense of who would be up there. But who knows? Um, you could also have moved the table. But um, <laughs> there's that, Molly. That table used to be in the sunroom. It was so nice. <laughs> right. It was just a nice table. Um, so the twins are, like, immediately miserable. But Chris does, like, a cute trying to frame things for him he's like just pretend the floor is the grass and the yeah. roof is the sky like duh and also um, what i'm sorry this is definitely sexist of me but normally the sister the older sister is the person that does that like psychological tending right and the older brother would be like punching a wall right. i mean like it just goes against I, they set him up from the beginning as a leading man yeah of, like Look at how kind I am and considerate to my. Where he's just like, very fatherly. Is, he's not a teenage boy. No, it's and weird. The next thing he does is he's like crafting them a swing. I <laughs> like two kids out of like, I don't know, it's a chair with a rope tied to it, but he makes <laughs> them a little swing. And um, the two of them are like, they're basically acting as parents, these two kids. They're feeding them something out of the, the basket next. And the son is saying he doesn't want to eat this, like, or the, the son. The twin, Corey, is, like, saying he doesn't want to eat this. What looks like a boiled chicken wing. It looks terrible. Yes. Totally understand, Corey. But, like, then Chris is able to, like, sort of, like, kind of drive home to him. You have to fucking eat it by doing an impression of their grandma that they're all really loving. Right. And and what a performer he is. What a performer he is to the point that he and Kathy get so swept away in this performance that it kind of, like, parlays into a wrestle of sorts. And then grandma walks in in the middle of this and sees it. Um, I just wrote, okay, it's pretty obvious now that Heather Graham fucked her uncle or something. We should probably play this clip, 2549 yes. at 2805. Mom, you okay? Just wanted to come say goodnight. How was your first day? It wasn't so bad, was it? Your first Daddy, day? You don't like it here. It's not nice. Carrie, stop. No, Kathy and Christopher are mean. I want to go home. What do you, Mama? God, kids are such shits. Yeah, they're such assholes. (laughs) So selfish. For now, you have to listen to your older brother and sister and like your parents. No! Yes. Take us out of here. Now! (laughs) Stop that child from screaming right now. Oh, my God. How did she make it up the stairs so fast? Ow! She hauled. Get up! Stop yelling! They're only five! Take off your blouse and show them how bad behavior is dealt with in this house. You can do whatever you want to me, but you can't be cruel to me. Take off your blouse in front of your kids. She's really, like, this is her agenda, too, (laughs) for sure. Go! (laughs) 
Now take off your blouse. <laughs> Do it! You're so right in saying that this is a very specific kink. Take a good long look, like, children. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, this is like, there's so much, like... Just what I know from like eighteen lashes for every from year what you've seen on Tumblr. My like from my like just you've listened my, my like brother husband. stepsister porn like <laughs> just like sick shit like that. But this is like gra- grandma daughter porn. It's oh, a whole new corner. Yeah, shaming in front of with four, four children. children. Yeah, they're it's really spawned by the devil, evil, from the moment you were conceived, evil. <laughs> Oh, I can make the rules in this you Guys, house. her back is like torn up, by the way. I mean, it's horrific looking. It looks and like 25 lipstick streaks are yeah. on her back. Oh my god. Take off your blouse. Like, who would put on a blue silky blouse the day after that? Like, I'd be, like, in a sweatshirt, like, trying not to move. Like, I'd be like, if you guys want to fight about stuff, you have to come into my room, because I'm going to be laying face down on my bed. <laughs> Come in here if you want to fight about it. You would never risk a blouse like that. I mean, that's how you know she's really rich, I guess, that's is that right. she's like, whatever. This is my beating blouse. I just so I'll bleach it later. She, like, then I was going to play this. Let's just talk it out for the audience. <laughs> I feel like we should just talk out the incest. It's, so <laughs> the mom is, comes back. I mean, how long did you feel yourself honestly going, just get to the fucking incest? Because I... I think around this time, I was just like, please, please just start it so it can be over. Right. Because you, they start to fall into little incestuous door openings. Yeah. That like, first of all, you don't spend, I mean, it's not their fault. As we've said, they've been forced into it together. Right. You wouldn't spend this much time with your older brother who's insanely hot. Right. But they're doing, it's things like, now I'm going to practice ballet in front of your face. Like, yeah. I'm going to do leg lifts in, into your face. Yeah. Um, let's look through a book of erotic sketchings. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, there, you're right. There was like, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of spatial issues I had too. Like with the ballet, for example, which we'll get to later, um, where I'm just like, girl, like you can go practice downstairs. Like one of you can pick a different room. That's right. Or if somebody's looking out the window depressed because you have been locked in an attic for a year, right? You don't have to stand behind that person and watch them walk, look out the window, right? Right. Like, how about one? How about the grandma should have established the rule of one person to a window per gaze, <laughs> right. and like <laughs> just exactly. let let people look out the window alone. The window did seem to be a big cause of trouble for them. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Heather Graham comes upstairs and they're basically just like, Kathy's like, what's the team mom? Like, cause I know that I'm missing something. And basically she says that when she was a kid, she looked to her dad for love. They did everything together. Um, and her mom was super jealous of that. And then eventually her dad got more busy with work, um, which I guess goes kind of goes against some of the incest storyline, unless he's in a real little kids, which is gross to say, right. but like the only thing that changed is she matured a little bit. I mean, that's just it, though. It just leaves your mind to wander yeah. and, and explore every incestuous possibility. Yeah. And then it's on you. It's like V.C. Andrews <laughs> didn't put it in. It's not in black and white. Yeah. So that's your issue if you're making up, like, totally. dad, daddy, daughter <laughs> stories. Right. It's a real trap. It's real gross. <laughs> so... 
Then she explains that around that time that she was getting getting really withdrawn, um, her father's half-brother lost his mom, and he wound up moving in with them. And he was very attractive and so nice, and the two of them got along so well. Um, and I just wrote, like, we know where this is going. But basically, he was her half-uncle. They eloped. Um they were told that their kids were going to be devil spawn with hooves and tails. <laughs> um, and then she says something like, love doesn't always come when you want. Sometimes it just happens against your will. And like, she kind of, like, rolls her eyes when she says it, like, you're telling me. Like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, I can't even <laughs> say this old, like, hackneyed for expression to you because, like, I've lived it. Okay? Yes. So, like, fuck the expression. I mean. And perfect tea up to be, like. So if by chance you're both at the window and someone's got a bummer <laughs> right. or whatever, like it's not, she's basically saying it's not your fault. It just yeah. happens sometimes. These kids don't know anything about sex though. Like as we will, I mean, I don't even think, I think Kathy either got her period or was surprised when it came, but yes. like later on, much, much later on, there's like a sex talk. And I just thought this is very elementary stuff to be springing on a 13 year old. And like, I mean that 15 year old boy like, he was around 12-year-olds, like, two years ago. I know that they were saying some gross shit to each other. Like, <laughs> yes. there's no way he didn't know what boners were or whatever. And, like, she definitely hints that there's something more complicated and um, involuntary about the male sexuality. Like, that's definitely what the the implication is on a couple times throughout this movie. Yes, that kind of men, almost like men need it. I also think it's interesting that 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 story-wise, V.C. Anders decided that it wasn't going to be the brother, which is what you're led to believe. Totally. But that Corinne married her half-uncle, which even though it's very – it's like marrying your cousin. It's very yeah. close in relation. But then that conceptually it's so odd that you're like, oh, that's okay. Like, yeah. It, it doesn't – seem as taboo also like this is virginia like in the deep deep country which like right. not to make jokes about that part of the country but like the, the, that's a joke for a reason it's mm -hmm. because that wasn't wildly uncommon right i don't know what the fuck they thought was gonna happen like moving a hot boy into their house when their ignored teenage daughter is like flopping around all day <laughs> like did this daughter go to school like i don't think that she had any sort of like rich emotional or social life in any way no it fe she feels like they home they it was like old school homeschooling which right. is just you stay home yeah and then like clean yeah or cook or whatever so yeah she has a bit of that a, a bit of that to her i also like and i'm not sure if that's it's then but when she does give the sex talk she basically starts it and then goes, I'll tell you more later. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't, there really isn't even that much of an explanation anyway. It's like, well, it's men like are bad almost, and I'll tell you more later. It was almost like she got caught having a, being faced with a question that she couldn't really answer herself, which was terrifying. Yeah. Like it was, it wasn't like, I'll tell you later because I've got plans. Like it was like, because I don't really know how to phrase this to you, which is a horrifying thought. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, I would never want to tell. I would outsource that. I would sofa. I would send them my kid to the community center or something. Go figure <laughs> it out with that, you know. But what she's doing is she's outsourcing it to the older brother. Totally. Who is standing around being like, you know, I mean, it, she put them in this you know, highly yeah. titillating position, essentially. Totally. And then it's like, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be back in three weeks. They sure will. So we also find out that they're only there because the grandmother has been waiting 20 years to tell her I told you so, which I don't think is true. And I think that that's Corinne's craziness um, yeah. coming through. So kids have decorated the um, attic with, like, 
flowers, like little like paper, um, tissue paper, like flower things. Which are, I feel is very 70s. Yes. From, from my kind of weird, remembering my teenage cousins. It totally is. It's very 70s. So that also is one of the weird, then I skip forward in chronology and I'm like, Maybe it is the 60s with their yeah. weird headbands. So, like that cray paper shit. Yeah. I mean, it's at every single like Pinterest wedding now. If yeah. you go to a wedding, they're going to have one of those things in, the, in a goddamn tree. Yeah. Um, so, the, um, Kathy runs into the grandmother in the bedroom. She's supposed to be getting some water. Oh, we find out that Kathy's made a calendar now as well with the X's on the wall, which Jailhouse I said, calendar, I yeah. would have given that up two days in. Like I would have <laughs> forgotten about it or I would have skipped a couple of days. I'd be like, Oh, I'll catch up to it at Christmas or something. I yeah. would have totally forgotten about that. Then you're trying to count it and count backwards. And like, you always, you're always like, it's off. It's yeah. Off at least by two. So this is the first glance that maybe the grandmother isn't the worst person in the world. It's when Kathy's getting some water for the paint bowl. Um, <laughs> and, um, I thought the grandmother was going to just be furious that they had paint. I thought that was going to send her off. Right. But she winds up saying something like, I hope you didn't inherit her artistic ability. The only real talent Corinne ever had was with the opposite sex, which I thought that was good for her for not saying on her back. Like, I thought that that was going to be the, the yeah, go-to line. more crass. I also think they, it, they were laying down that idea that the reason Corinne says she's an object is because that's what her mother always said to her. Right. So you're kind of get, you're able to track all this kind of like, if we could just nip this in the bud, America, we could right. prevent this kind of, you know, they're yeah, obviously like <clears throat> Kathy has no, like doesn't flinch when this is said to her. So obviously they're all, they're all on the same page about Corinne's ability or whatever, like yeah. in life. <laughs> yes. And Kathy's like, no, 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 I'm actually a ballet dancer and Chris, he's good with painting. And then the grandma says, has he ever painted you? Has he ever asked you to pose for him with your clothes off? Come on, girl, tell the truth. I want to know what kind of wickedness you're up to. Yeah. Uh, Kathy's like nothing. And grandmother's like nothing. Well, then why are you trembling? And she's like, cause you keep accusing me of doing all these bad things. And I don't even know what you're talking about. And the grandmother goes, yeah, you don't know what I'm talking about. Ask your brother. He'll know from the time they're born. Um, from the time they're born, the males, the male of this species know all about wickedness and evil. So that's sad. I feel sad for grandmother. Yes. There's some, uh, she's clearly got some massive issues Mm. and in a real broken heart. I feel broken hearted from that. Yeah. And I feel like acting wise here, it's Kieran and Shipka. I guess so. Um, Sally Draper, that was the truest moment of that, of this whole thing is when she was like, because like it felt like she as a person was frustrated yeah that that they were still having to continue to have that you might be right and that might be the like only moment of this where i was like yeah she's kind of killing it like i thought she was totally okay in this and i think it might just be because i was looking for that moment for so long in the beginning of this movie yeah yeah exactly of like sorry what the fuck how many days are you gonna put us in this attic yeah yeah so then it's the last day of the month a couple days later grandma is teaching them how to clean up the room she yells at kathy for wiping her fingerprints off the dresser because the room can't look perfect and that reminded me a lot of being a kid just like damned if you do damned if you don't that's exactly right i wanted to say like then 
then uh, Kathy should have said, well, then you should have fucking listed out in the big, long list of rules that you barfed out on night one. Yeah. Like, that's just as important. Toss as it in the basket. I'll read it to the kids. Like, we need something. Like, come up with an informal rule book, like, yes. while you're, like, keeping we'll us study up study the shit day. out of it. Yeah. We have nothing else to do. <laughs> Literally. So then she gives her a bouquet of flowers, like a little real bouquet of daisies, and goes, here's some, here's some real flowers for your fake garden, which is so cruel. But, like, the heart of it is so kind and, like... It's the only humanity that these kids have seen or will see, honestly, for quite some time. Yes. And it's, like, very, like, it really made me feel for Ellen Burstyn's character a lot. Like, I don't know why I'm so sympathetic towards her. And there's really only one other time that I felt so very betrayed by her, which is around Christmas time. Yes. But um, (laughs) there's really, like, it's kind of a sweet moment where I don't know if she's, like, Part of me is wondering, does she admire Kathy and like the way she's kind of like taking hand of this thing here or does she really? Yeah. I feel like, um, in those moments, it feels like everybody else in this made for a lifetime movie is like, reminds me of a scene study class that I would have taken in college where there are people who are doing their best. There are people who are naturally good. There are people who are just like kind of magnetic to watch. There's all kinds of levels. And then Ellen Burstyn is like the teacher that's like, here, sit down, I'll show you. And then she goes in and right. does some shit. And then you're like, okay, the expert's here. And it's almost like Ellen Burstyn, as, a, an, as an experienced actress, is herself taking pity on these other people in this movie. <laughs> Look where we're at. Yes. Yeah. And like when you're my age, you'll be doing this too. So <laughs> you think you're starting your career, but guess what? Guess what? There's a whole bunch more lifetime movies ahead of you. Fuck. Yeah, you're right. And the, the Sally Draper chick is the only one besides her hot brother that wasn't invited back for the rest of them. Really? Yeah. Heather Graham's still dining out on this. Is she really? Wait, so we're not going to see that older brother again after this? No, sorry. Hate to say it. So okay. cancel your cable. But- I didn't realize he reminds me of my ex in the face where I was yeah. like, do I have a type of that kind of like, yeah, it's very, it's almost like generic guy from the Midwest look. Totally. Like he's fed. much more handsome than like, I would say most, like almost all of the guys that I've seen in lifetime movies that are supposed to be like the hot hunky guy. Yeah. Like those guys all look like cheese balls to me, but the, he is something real. very pure and like adorable about him. And kind of like, it's like when people have like a real, he's really buff. Like yeah. in that like, Kind of paleo Hollywood way. Totally. Um, oh, I was going to say the father that ends up dying suddenly and, yeah. and very soon at the beginning looks like a scars guard who oh. no one believed in, but yeah. who broke through anyway. I could see that. I could see that. He d- he had a hard to place face for me. Like yes. I couldn't figure out if I thought he was attractive or not. Yes. Maybe he's just interesting. It was doing a bunch of different things. And on top of that, the reason I remembered it is because he feels to me like he is offbeat version of the typical lifetime hunk, quote unquote. Totally. Hunk. Yeah. You'd probably only fall in love with him if he was your half uncle <laughs> um, that was locked in a house with you. Um, so, um, yeah, so we go to um, Kathy's trying to teach the twins how to read, which God bless her for that. Like, I wouldn't have even known where to start with that. <laughs> and um, Corinne shows up for the first time in, like, weeks with a box of art supplies. I think this is where she's wearing, like, the little, like, headband and yes. the polka-dotted dress. Which is 60s. Yeah. Her outfit in this 
is distinctly 60s, which Very once again 60s. made me go, wait, I, now I don't know what era this is again. It's it's so it's impossible to place to their credit, I guess. Um, Corinne tells Kathy that she has no idea exa- how exhausting all this has been for her. She finally just got to go sailing today. <laughs> um, and then Chris says, you've gotten some nice color, mother, which like there's a couple moments with him where I'm like, don't be looking at your mom like that. Like when she comes out with the apple pie and he's like, you're wearing a dress and perfume. Yes. And then when he like comments on her tan skin here. In that part, that was very overt. And there's a couple times where I feel like Corinne talks to her son as if she wants everyone else to leave so they can be alone together. She completely plants one on his mouth later. Like she kisses her like 16-year-old son on the mouth. I feel like this family at the very least, just needs some boundaries. It's like a book on boundaries. <laughs> For sure. Because there is, it's like everyone has a crush on everyone else in the family and they're fighting it yeah. or they're indulging it. Can you imagine being like the family therapist who like gets this and they think they're going in to talk about like the older kids <laughs> not conflicting with the younger kids and then like, you know, they start to talk a little bit like what this shit storm would look like. You know what I thought? Well, I'm going to save this for when it happens, but that that exact thought came up later when the little girl goes in and I, oh. I just started thinking, even when they get out of this attic, they're going to, they have years of therapy ahead of the them. The rest of their goddamn lives. <laughs> like, but I mean, I don't know. According to the, to Wikipedia in the second book, they seem to be living a better life than I do. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, she's teaching the kids how to read. She finally just got to go sailing and then she'd love to hang out tonight, but she has a movie date with her girlfriend and her girlfriend's been hitting her up for plans since she got to town. So she feels like she has to, like, she just sounds like that kind of not really busy, like, just pain in the ass person that you have in your life where it's like, no, we have, like, things to tend to. But, like, you're, like, flipping your hair around talking about how you, like, tried a vegan cheese at a party this weekend. Like, yes. I don't know what the fuck, like, what are you, get on the same page. Like, she's really not on their page. It's, she's, reminds me of a girl you would make friends with in college because she was, like, on the same dorm floor as yes. you. But then she would end up convincing you to go to a party in a dangerous part of town and then leave you there. Yes. And then, like, later be like, why are you so mad? Like, she is that, she has a feeling of a bad friend as opposed to a bad mother to me. Yeah. Where she just keeps kind of, like, coming in and be like, oh, sorry, I, yeah, I went sailing. Like, it's that. Yeah. She does So maybe there's, maybe there is something great in this performance because she doesn't seem to give a single shit about these children yeah. as people or as her children. For sure not. I mean, she definitely, like, the, I mean, the, the word disappointed just kept coming up for me over and over again. But, like, you're right. She's, like, that friend that it's, like, you thought you guys were real friends and now you have to wrestle with the fact that like it just did it. it. She might not even have a friend that deep. Like she probably just doesn't even run that deep. Like she's kind of a disappointing person. And she would say it to you like, look, I don't run that. Like it's your fault right. if you're disappointed that she's, she's the girl that if you were like, you know who I've always really liked and yeah. you tell her or even she asks you. Yeah. And then the next morning comes to your house and is like, I fucked him. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It's, she is, she has that all over her but it's to her own children. Yeah. I had a friend that was kind of like that, but she'd always be like, you know, you know, you'd say like, Oh, I have a, a, a crush on this guy or whatever. And then she'd come to you like a week later and be like, oh, I don't want to make this weird, but like randomly, like that guy reached out to me and like, you know, I told him I would go on a date with him, but only if you're okay with it. And then like years later, I found out because she did this to a guy I wasn't interested in. That was like my friend. <laughs> 
she um, had hit him up via Facebook. Yes, of course. And I was like, I'm sorry, she did what? And he's like, yeah, she just like hit me up on Facebook and said like, oh, I'm Molly's friend, like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And I'm like, you're the one that's like my brother. So like, thank God you're telling me. But like, this has been going on this whole time. I was like, don't ever tell anyone who you like ever. <laughs> no, you, you always have to tell people you say who you like and it's not the right person. That's what I've right. done. My sister taught me that. Thank God I had an older sister. She taught me that like freshman year in high school of like, if you really, really like someone, you truly, no one will keep a secret. Yeah. That's not what it's for. If you don't want people to know, you can't say it, but you, sh- but you should be saying you like someone so that it's like, so that right. that is entertained mm-hmm. and then it'll actually protect you from who you actually like. But I had a friend who did that and that's when I first started looking into and researching sociopaths. Yeah. Because sociopaths and they're, you know, it, it's not part of this movie really, but I do love that. We all will interact with them at some point in our lives. Yeah. And it's really bizarre and shocking because... A lot of times you're like, why would you bother to be doing this to me? And and there are people who they just have to win. Yeah. So like the second you tell them I want to hit this goal, they're like, whoops, I already did it. Like, yeah. That's the whole. That girl for sure is that too. Because she's also that person where I've always looked at her and said like, you don't need the win. Like, why are you doing for what? Yeah. And like to this day, I still look at her and I'm like. You have all this stuff going on. Why do you have to meddle in this? Yes. And it's like, because it'll never, for like a sociopath, that's like, it's hunting, it's sport. Yes. It's like, really, it means nothing. I've, I've similarly got into sociopaths for that reason, which I'm sure we talked a lot about during Drew Peterson, but I'm like a <laughs> sitting duck for them. They like fucking shake me down. Oh, I know. I know. I mean, to think back on that journey, like compared <laughs> to now this, it's really... Wow. I've changed a lot. I've moved a lot on Rob Lowe as well. And I would like to say corrections corner two years later. <laughs> apparently he's not a Republican, you guys. Sorry oh. I said that. Yeah. Did you hear a lot from the No, I heard like one person oh, on Twitter okay, okay. two years ago said something. <laughs> but like I just want to come back to that now that Rob Lowe's been reintroduced to the picture. <laughs> apparently not a Republican. I bump on that still. He has Republican face, but yeah, I feel like there's a lot of people who are secretly Republicans these days, especially in Hollywood. Because For sure. It's so, I mean, like, not to be all Vince Vaughn about it, but it is very it, it, passe, to say the least, to be that in L.A. and in Hollywood, where it's like, how can you, how can anybody say they're Republican if they're in show business? Because you easily know, yeah, you know, like 60% of the people you know are probably gay. How can yeah. you stand there and then just be like, I'm for the, for the party that wants to get rid of all those civil rights totally, or, any, or really anything at this point. But it's like, all like elderly trash white men actors from like the 80, from 80 sitcoms mostly that thrive like, in that space. My tax returns over everyone. Right. It's, it's that shit where it's like, yeah, you guys all just need to die off because you're just so backwards. Like, Gordon Gecko greed is good. Yeah. And you, you cannot connect it to like the empathy is actually the way to be. But what kind of money is Scott Bayo making? Like, that's where I have to wonder. I mean, I did see like some young Hollywood Republican. Like I saw some video of this guy. He's like, whoever would have thought like the most punk rock thing you could do in this town is support the president. And I was like, well, that's one way to think of it. I'm pretty sure that is not punk rock. Um, But that's a fun spin for the young people. Yeah, it's a fun spin. But like a lot of these guys, too, I'm like, y'all aren't taking home checks. Like, you know, I mean, maybe you're living off your Charleston charge residuals, which were I'm not downplaying how huge those must have been. They maybe they were. But but 
I wonder if he did that thing that I think people have, you've, you've seen people fall for that weren't hip to like social media and the like serotonin right. highs and lows and the hits. Mm-hmm. And I think he got into being into it. Oh. I mean, it's hard for me because Scott Bale was truly my first love. Oh, like, totally. I was seven years old when like Joni loves Chachi hit the airwaves. It was a very big deal to us. So all of that kind of like the scales falling from my eyes about Scott Bale was a painful thing. Yeah. But I think those in Hollywood, it's almost like they're all trying to become Robert Evans. It's like, they know they oh. can't be Sean Cassidy forever or Justin Bieber, the updated reference, Justin Bieber forever. So then they kind of were like, well, then I'm going to be a mogul. I'm going to be a money man. I'm going to be one of these. Right. I don't give a fuck about anybody because I'm going to get mine. Like basically a mafia Don. Yeah. And that's kind of, they just pick that lane and whatever that means. But like, that doesn't even really, that doesn't even really exist either. That itself is like, I mean, cause you look at the guys who are like players in this world. It's like a Mark Cuban type who himself is pretty liberal, but even that, like he's, hipper than all of these old school businessmen. I mean, it's like you're trying to be like the dad from Richie Rich or something. Like <laughs> some like character that doesn't exist anymore. Like you're trying to you're trying to ra- build a really rad river in the middle of your mansion. That was my obsession totally. with Richie Rich comics which we'd always read at the dentist office was when they would go through that mansion. I'd be like, more of the mansion. And there was that one part where there was like a whitewater rafting area. Yeah. But it was in the house. Yeah. That was my favorite. I love that part of like characters that you follow for a long time is that you get to continue to discover things like their, like their world, like their property. Yes. Like, or even just like their wardrobe. Like I'm like, oh man, we got even more clothes. Love that. (laughs) It makes sense. You're so rich. Yeah, totally. Um, so Kathy's the only one that can like get mad at her, which I like this for her. It's unfortunate for her too, because apparently like she's the only one that is furious, but she's pissed and she wants some goddamn answers. Um, and Heather Graham basically says, I can never tell my dad about you because the only reason why he forgave me is because I promised I would never have any, I never had any kids. Which is just the such an intensely specific caveat. It's so intense. It's, and I mean, I guess it's because of the incest connection and maybe not wanting like a bunch of incest babies to come for your fortune. I guess that's maybe the dad's mindset. It is. But then you have to infer that like this book asks us and this made for TV movie. It asks us to do so much work on our own. Yeah. It's like they just think if they're going to like slightly imply that there's incest, then we're just going to spin all these yarns. Yeah. Where a a lot of the time I was just kind of like, sorry, where are we now? Like, yeah. And what am I bringing to the table with my perverted mind that isn't actually there? Yeah. And how in on this is Ellen Burstyn? Like, how deep does it go? Yes. Like, does she know about the conditional of, you know, your kids are never coming out of that fucking attic? Like, right. is she comfortable dying in that house with them in that attic? Like, and is she comfortable? Does she just leave her daughter to have this super close, bizarre relationship with her husband? Right. She washed her hands of even being able to do anything about it anymore. Yeah. It seems like almost like she brought her back to like finish her off or something, but things only got better for Corinne. Right. You know, (laughs) it really, the plan did not work out for anyone but Corinne. So they're waiting for the grandfather to die. And it seems like, you know, the, the two older kids, Chris and Kathy are talking about it with a heart condition. It could be any moment, but that's like also Chris's like, 
Chris, you're so naive. Like this man is not going to drop dead tomorrow because mom's, you know, made a promise. Like, um, Kathy's not hopeful at all. And she's saying, you know, have you seen mom is already walking around with new outfits, you know? And I liked that for Kathy because I would have noticed that too. I would have been like, bitch, like we're fighting over a piece of bread up here. And like, you're coming in like new outfit every day. Like there's blowouts in the mix and stuff. She's like, they have a mom. They're, they're all starving to death. The twins are scared of sunlight. And the mom's coming in in, like, tennis whites. Yeah. And then being like, guys, I'm checking in on you again. Like, yeah, after a while, you can't um, you can't rationalize it away. And Chris says to himself, you know, oh, like, that's just – it's a lifestyle thing. She's a rich woman now. She has to do that. Okay, I guess I see your point, Chris. I mean, I Chris and I would die in hell together. Like, I literally <laughs> – like, we'd both just be like, I mean, I guess it's kind of hot. Like, it's hot. Like, it would just be like, it's just, this person and I would undo each other. So the twins come out to the roof where they're sitting. Um, Oh, the, the little girl, which one is she? Carrie. So she comes out and she goes, Corey's a cheater. Um, it turns out they were playing truth, um, hide and go seek. And she thought he like disappeared or something, but then it turns out, no, he's like, I don't know if he's suffocating in the trunk or if he's freezing, but, like, there's a whole thing where his body is cold and they have to warm him up. The, yes. the, t- the child almost dies in a trunk. But if you are suffocating, the one I would say to freeze to death in a trunk is not the most realistic no. situation. So suffocating really would be it. So suffocating usually is – there's heat involved. Right. But not cold. So then they cut to the scene where they're trying to warm him up. <laughs> and she's like, we just have to warm him up. And yeah. it's just like, but you just pulled him out of a tiny trunk that he got stuck into. Yeah, his brain is near boiling. And if that <laughs> is that cold, then you guys should start stashing some food in that or yes. something. You know, right. maybe use that to your advantage. It's like a mini fridge. But then as her dude, like Chris just like fucking goes in and starts, he does finally like a bro move. And he just starts hacking away at that trunk. Finally. He, no one's going to, no one's going to screw around with that trunk anymore. That's right. He breaks all the locks off all the stacked up trunks so yep and then Corey says to um his sister he says i miss i miss my mom and kathy says i'm your mom now you know oh, right yeah, I, yeah so that's your moment that's your big moment god i love that moment because it's so if i was that little boy having just like come out of a weird right. suffocation coma and then my older sister was like i'm your mom now <laughs> it would have been like oh shit right <laughs> this is worse than i thought Maybe, like, an adoption special was where she got that narrative. Like, because mm-hmm. that's, like, definitely they would, like, push that on Punky Brewster and all the, <laughs> the big hits back then. They'd be like, your parent is who loves you. That you're even more loved than regular kids because right. they picked you. Right. I used to love that when somebody introduced that when I was around seven. And I was like, great. Thanks so much. One more yeah. thing of, like, I wasn't really invited to this party. My cousin was is still to this day traumatized by me saying she was adopted all the time, which was, first of all, like, would have been sick. Like, that would have been great for her if she was adopted. <laughs> she wasn't. And, um, but to this day, like, like, meanwhile, like, she has the mother and father that are still together in the family. She's got siblings. Like, they're all in communication. And she still looks at me and she's like, you used to call me adopted. And I'm like, I don't have family. Like, <laughs> You won this fight, girl. Joke's on you, Fiona. Like, I'm alone for the rest of my life. Drop it, Fiona. <laughs> Focus on other things. I have a cousin who's older than me who was adopted. Yeah. And I learned that my cousins, my my two cousins were adopted. And I told her she was adopted. 
because I just wanted, first of all, I could never figure out. Did how to she get not attention. know? No, no, no. Of course they knew. Oh. <laughs> but it, I was like, you're adopted and you're not actually blood related to us. And I was saying it like an evil child with a big totally. smile on my face. But I was not, she took it, of course, as me be, being like, you don't belong here. And all I was doing was being like, I listened to what the adults are saying and now I'm telling, like, I wanted right. credit for knowing something. Yeah. And being like on the inside and in no way, of course, thought about how hurtful it would be totally. or that anyone would even give a shit about anything I said to the point where literally it's like 30 years later. And if she gets drunk at a wedding, she'll be like, I'll never forget when you said that to me about how I was. At. And I'm just like, yeah, I, I get it. I was a big fucking like, asshole. Meanwhile, like her life's fine, right? <laughs> She's like, this isn't her sons are like geniuses. She has this awesome husband. She's been married forever. Yes, yeah. She has the life. See, like, stop with the petty adoption drama from, like, the 70s and 80s. Like, okay, we, that was a narrative that was fed to us as a thing you can say to hurt another person. And I don't think there was anything wrong with us for running with that. Okay? I mean, I was just repeating what I was constantly overhearing and eavesdropping on. Totally. I mean, I had I had no other. I had nothing else. So I just went to adopt it. It, which, took, me, it took me a long time to realize that if you're going to eavesdrop and hear gossip, you don't go to the person who you heard gossip. Right. It wasn't even gossip. I shouldn't frame it like that because it was a well-known fact and like it wasn't a thing in my family at all yeah but I, that's how i interpreted it as like a piece of news right and i just wanted credit for knowing something adults were conversating i mean we still haven't learned that lesson in my family it's i don't know about you guys but we're like a circle like it just goes back and forth and yeah. like if it doesn't come from a niece it goes to an aunt like yes 100%. We're, ter- we're our own worst enemies. Like, and then we're always, all sh- always like shocked when someone has told someone else about it. And it's like, you told so-and-so about this. Well, no shit. We yes. all have been talking shit on each other like for my entire life. For 34 years now, we've had a good thing going on. Like, let's not act surprised by it anymore. <laughs> That's why you get that like 9 a.m. call every morning to go over the news. Oh, my God. That download was everything when I was a kid. Just my mom and her sister on the phone every day. Like, geez. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine the smallness? I'm sure. I'm sure you and your sister are still very like tight, but the smallness of that world that we grew up in, which is like the phone cord wrapped around the house and like the two and a half hour conversation. Yeah, because you had to get everything from that conversation. There yeah. was no like Yahoo News to just click on and figure out, yeah. or to look at Facebook and see what idiot people were volunteering. It was all like, "Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear?" You mean you couldn't watch like four hours of YouTube boxing today that, to satisfy your soul? Because I spoke to no one. You two are the only two people I've spoken to today, and it's because I have that to fill the hole. Yeah, that's right. Um, so it's now Christmas time, um, which I could feel the cold in that attic. Like, yes. it's so cold. Um, Chris is, uh, drapes a blanket very generously over Kathy's shoulders as she looks out into the storm, which is just like such a caring... 40 year old man ass move like unrealistic yeah unless he's a 45 year old widow literally never ever would happen a teenage boy i mean how hot of a girl do you have to be and a sister yeah to have some guy be like oh i thought you might be cold so i'm going to drape something thoughtful of your temperature no literally widow being keyword like you know that that man did some like thoughtful draping of blankets over his wife before she passed like because he was with her in the hospital every weekend exactly right but somehow up in the attic chris is just he's intuiting what the best hottest thing would be for him to do as a 15 well now he's probably 16 right because yeah. been in there for a year guys don't even know women are cold like all the time let and, alone yeah and if they learn that then it just turns into like 
Why are you always cold? And why do you go to the bathroom in pairs? Like, what, you need to bring a sweater? Stop <laughs> fighting and start asking questions. Right, yeah. So um, the kids are really excited because they, they can present their grandma with the gift that they've been making. And it's like... <laughs> this is my favorite part. Oh, my God. This, like, took the wind out of my sails. <laughs> this ruined my YouTube fight. Like, this really hurt to watch. Um I wrote this made me teary because it's so earnest. And then what happens is they like give their grandmother the gift and like they're looking at her, this woman that's tortured them. And like all they've done is they've taken their two stupid crayons or whatever <laughs> and they rub them together to make her this fucking gift. Yeah. And she just like looks at it and you can see like she's taken aback that they've been thoughtful. Yes. And like there was, I just wrote the resilience of children is like we're, we're not, not deserving of it. Yes. Um, that's right. And she just slams the door in their face. And um, then the greatest, the greatest exit stage left, which is Sally Draper throws that poster down in the awkwardest way possible and storms out. <laughs> yeah. And I laughed for so long. Did because you? <laughs> it really was kind of a poignant moment where you, of course, Ellen Burstyn being the talent powerhouse that she is, showed you 16 emotions that that poster made her have literally and you were like whoa 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 like yeah kind of registering all of it and then she just shuts the door and then sally throws the poster down like it's the first pass of junior high play rehearsal right it's so funny and bad yeah and also it's hard to throw poster board yeah in an it effective is way. in a small little bedroom as well <laughs> in front of two children who i mean like that's the hardest part is i was like kathy i'm like do it for the twins like at least pretend you're gonna hang it on the wall or something like, yes they've, the they've worked up. on that too also be still be cool for your hot boyfriend brother right you don't, don't want him to see who's your cool don't let him don't be all nerdy in front of him God, like literally your brother has seen you like shit your tights at Easter. <laughs> like, like literally like just the worst things. That is who your direct family members are. It's just the people who've seen you in the worst thing. Now, maybe because I'm an only child, it didn't really hit me how fucking sick this is. Yes. <laughs> it's so sick. You have to think like, It'll I never know. stop hitting me. I never, I know every fucking freckle on my sister's face. I stared right. into her face. For 18 fucking years. Right. There is no romance. There is like, it's so funny the idea that they would sit there and like really have a discussion about something. I don't think until we were in our like 30s that my sister and I ever discussed anything. No. Or even it was anything past like shut up and get away from me or <laughs> give me that thing or that's mine. Yeah. Everything was very like, it's as if you're arguing with yourself transactional. Totally. Like your worst. Yeah, exactly. Like your worst self. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There's no romance. There's no like, I wonder what your thoughts are. It's just like, shut up. Yeah. No, totally. You want, I mean, when is that, when was that moment for you? Like when you were 18, you were like, okay, we're adults now. I think so. We, my sister and I went to college at the same time. She, cause after she graduated high school, she went to the JC for two years. Okay. And then when I graduated, we both went to Sac State together. Yeah. And at first I didn't, I, I was because my parents were not participating. So I like, I was supposed to fill out all the paperwork. So I didn't turn in my dorm card on time. Oh, okay. So I had to live with my sister and my cousin, Nancy and my sister's friend, Deanne for the first month before I got, a, there was like a wait to get into right. the dorms. And that month was this weird transition because my sister, I had to sleep in the front room, pull out couch. So every morning my sister would get up and be like, clean this for, because the other two were like real neat freak. And kind of like old, they were like older gals that were getting their 
teacher credential. Right. They weren't there to party. They weren't there to be Buzz punk kill. rock. Yeah. I was there to be like, what can I do during the day with no adults around? Or whatever. Right. They were like the opposite. So my sister was really like on me. But then once I was gone, we would hang out more because she would just be like, come with me. I have to go to the mall to get whatever and just come and get me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a lot of choice in it. But then after a while I realized, Oh, she likes hanging out with me Yeah, as much, if not more than any of the other people she hangs out with. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we really did have so much fun after once we kind of crested that. Um, and she met my friends who were like my drama department friends like, at first, she'd always be like, eh, get those nerds away. Like, she was yeah. always bitchy, dismissive. But then we were legit hilarious fun. So yeah. then she would be like, yeah, let's all go to a bar. Substance is bonding, too. I think that that bears through the, the initial thing. Like, I remember my younger brother called me and was like, hey, I smoke weed now. And I was <laughs> like, for like three years, I'm like, dude, no way am I smoking weed with you. And then one time I did, and I was like, you know what? You're pretty tight. Like, yes. you're a cool guy. Yes. Like, and it, th- I think that's definitely a big... I mean, I kept thinking when I was up watching this, I was like, God, if they could just get, like, a bottle of whiskey or something, they could keep <laughs> themselves busy for, like, a week. Like... For real. You know, the two of them just trying to figure out what getting drunk looks like. You know, the twins will figure it out. Give them some independence. Make the twins work for some shit themselves, because you're <laughs> hammered. Yes. Um... <laughs> So now it's Christmas morning, the most fucking demented ass Christmas morning ever. <laughs> um, Heather Graham is like, she like is giving them this beautiful, like the kids get a playhouse and she gives Kathy a hand embroidered dress, um, which Kathy's like, but I wouldn't have anywhere to wear it. Yeah. Um, we're going to pick up here, but I want to write that she has this childlike mania in this that really sells this part for her for this part for me. Like okay. where I'm like... Just the way she's flitting around, I'm like, either this was made for Heather Graham or Heather Graham is doing more to this than anyone. Yes. This is the moment where I thought she, I think she had a plan all along and I Mm. was underselling what she was doing because suddenly I saw this is a person. It's like when you go to a friend's house and you're like, yeah, I'm totally going to come to your party for like, for the beginning. And you, all you're doing is burning off time until you can leave. Right. To go to the thing you really want to do. Yeah. That became blatantly obvious to me in this scene totally okay let's watch it well i know it's not a perfect christmas but i still have one more trick up my sleeve (laughs) a window to the outside world (laughs) my father gave it to me it's a little tv you guys mr winslow from 1961 my father has an even it's adorable i actually love it he's my father's attorney he says it's only a matter of drawing up the new paperwork but I'm going to inherit everything. (laughs) I knew you could do it, Mom. He's throwing me a party tonight with champagne and a live orchestra and anyone who's anyone in Virginia. Can we come? Please? We'll hide somewhere and we'll be quiet and no one will hear us or see us, I swear. I think it's too risky. I mean, after putting in all this time. We haven't seen other people in so long. It's the only thing I really want. Don't you care if I'm happy? Kathy, quit it. You think she's happy knowing her kids are locked up in an attic? It's okay, Christopher. You can come. You can both come. (laughs) After the twins are asleep. I feel like for the first time since your father died, things are finally looking up for us. This is where I used to hide and watch my parents' parties. 
Just remember your promise, okay? So she's hiding them. This is the last thing we'll see. Um, She's hiding them in their little party outfits, which is, again, so sad because these kids aren't going anywhere or talking to anyone. They get all dressed up, and they go sit in a liquor cabinet together that overlooks the ballroom. Right. And the way this liquor cabinet is built, it looks like, oh, this is that thing that rich people do with liquor cabinets. Right. You can see through them where I'm like, what would be the benefit if you were down on the ballroom floor and you looked up, you could see a bunch of old shitty bottles in the back of a liquor cabinet. Like, it doesn't make sense. It has that sort of, like, metal backing on it that I don't know, like, what you would refer to that from being, I mean, I guess it would be, like, the 20s or the early 1900s or something, but it has this, like, metal backing on it that's a facade. And again, like... You know, to your point of like, first of all, that's not how rich people display things. But one that that's not a, a pretty metal to look at either. And there's also screw off bottle of wine, like screw top <laughs> wines in there. And I was like, this isn't this is so here nor there. Like they're really fucking with you on the timeline now, honey. Yes. Um. So I just wrote how sad um, that this is that these kids are like so excited to be locked in a that's how desperate they are for action well also because the mom says you can come to the party and then this is her version of you can come to the party right. which is obviously they can't you never think they're gonna go to the party but it's like she says it to their face and then it's like oh of course our party style which is right. they hide you yeah I mean I didn't know how she was gonna hide them from Ellen Burstyn but she did make it sound like half the town was gonna or like you know half the state was gonna be there yeah so i was like okay maybe they'll mingle around or something i don't know but like i did not envision them getting dressed up doing their hair and then going and sitting in a liquor cabinet (laughs) um so grandmother uh sees corinne talking to a servant at the party um and she doesn't like it yeah um and she comes over and says like oh your dress most women would be too modest to wear it um and then she goes i know mom i know you don't approve but like have fun for father's sake um and then this is a weird, weird fucking moment. A guest comes over and says, it's so lovely to see you at this big party. And, you know, she's uh, Heather Graham's being like modest. And she's being like, oh, I wanted to do something small. But daddy insisted. And um, Ellen Burson says, well, like I always said, spare the rod, spoil the child. And then the man says, well, she certainly doesn't look spoiled. <laughs> and I'm like, this is a comma. I'm like, what does that mean? She's fat. Like, that's how I would take it. I would be like, what are you? It's like when someone's like, you look really healthy. Like when yeah. someone says you don't look spoiled. Like I'd be like, what does that mean? Like, what are you saying to me? Right. It's almost like he's interpreting an insult that no one heard until he decided to defend. Right. Yeah. Where you're just kind of like, and also where were you 10 years ago when she was marrying her uncle and running away and immediately dropping like 16 kids? Right. Like what's the transition? Like the transition out of that could be like, Oh, I know. My mom used to beat me, too. Anyway, like, Anyhow. love the party. Like, there's no way out of this weird disciplinary moment between, like, a woman in her 30s and her mother. Um, there's no way out of that, really. No. it's And it, sh- it goes, just goes to show how that mother is just willing to ruin any light party conversation totally. with just being a f- true Bible lunatic. Yeah. So the kids are almost discovered out in the liquor, a liquor cabinet when the grandma comes up and she's like, you know, I, I wanted the aged bourbon. Sarah was supposed to put out the aged bourbon. And um, she goes to grab it. And the butler, um, right before he grabs the door, she goes, no, no, it'll just make my husband tired. Um, he, he needs to stay awake for dinner anyway. And she goes, and by the way, get rid of Sarah. Yes. And he's like, wait, what do you mean? Like, she's like, you know, it's storming. There's no trains tonight. It's Christmas. And she said, well, then that will show the servants what happens when they don't do what I say. And so 
Was that supposed to mean that she told the servants, don't talk to my daughter? She told Sarah to put the bourbon out, I think. Oh, okay. And then the bourbon didn't go out, which I was going to say, go with the first one. Go with, because she talked to Heather Graham at the party. Yeah. Just be like, I don't need your, I don't need the servants chatting up my daughter at the party. Yeah. And getting all involved. But it's like she is ashamed. She just wants to get rid of her. But it's not like... All Sarah was saying to the daughter was like, you look beautiful and you should be happy. Yeah. She was just being kind of pause. And, yeah. And it was like, yeah, Ellen Burstyn was just like, never again in my household. My other takeaway was like, these people are so fucking rich that she's like, you didn't put out the really, really expensive bourbon. Like, go <laughs> fire someone for that. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I'd be like, dude, tight. We saved like 40 bucks on the bourbon budget. <laughs> like, put that in a jar. So, um... This is interesting, too. I don't understand what the matter of this party is. Like, obviously, it's, like, Christmas. Yes. But is it, like, my 30-something-year-old daughter has returned, and we've finally written her back into the will? Or is it, like... I mean, because, like, that's not anything I would imagine Virginia society would be, like, buzzing about either. Like, a 30-something-year-old woman come, moves back in with her parents. Like, I can't imagine that would draw in a lot of people. True, except if they're the rich people in Foxwood Manor, that right. they're, like, it's the big rich mansion on the hill. Yeah. And they decide that basically she's back in the family so that then they can marry her out again or some, yeah. it's almost like she's a She's kind of like the new mayor of town anyway. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because she is with her, you know, headbands and her, uh, eventually we learn her lawyer boyfriend or whatever. Dude, I mean, yep. So then Corinne's dad in like probably the scariest movie <laughs> moment of this movie is yes. like rolled out in front of the party. He's shockingly good looking and like his skin is in, a nice place yes. for where for how sick he is. True. Um, but he can barely speak. Um, and he gives a huge necklace to Corinne and she's like, Daddy, this is too much. And like it really is. It's like <laughs> easily like a hundred thousand dollar necklace. <laughs> and he's like, This belonged to my mother and her mother before that, and this is just the beginning. Um the way he that says that is weird. Yes. The way he said this is just the beginning. It was a, he has a a bizarre longing in his eyes and he's reaching toward her. Yeah. And that whole exchange begins with Heather Graham kissing him right on the mouth. Yes. That's how it starts. And there's like almost like a titter in the room. The whole exchange is insane. It's very like J. Howard Marshall, like Anna Nicole's husband, where it's like, he's like, you're giving me a new lease on life. And like his family's like, no, honey, like you're literally about to die. And he's like, but this woman has brought something like this is the beginning for me. And it's like, sweetie, you've got a week. But I'm in love with my my daughter. Yeah. Like, no, not here, not at the party. But I I guess like, I, I guess... That is a new way. That's a reframe for me. Maybe he feels, but ew, I don't know. I mean, was she, is she fucking the dad? Like, do we have any? She it's, kisses him on the mouth in front of everyone. But, you know, there's plenty of people who would be like, look, my family are mouth kissers. It doesn't mean anything. Like, totally. This could just be my personally repressed Irish Tom Catholic. Brady's doing that all over the football field. <laughs> don't you remember that? Kissing people on the Tom mouth? Tom Brady and his dad are like fucking French kissing on no. the Patriots <laughs> win. Look, will you show Karen the pictures? Like they're they're big mouth kissers in the Brady family, and wow. now he's got the European wife. So I'm sure they're just doubling down. Now he's got the European. Listen to me. Now he's got the <laughs> European wife. I'm like my grandmother, but I'm sure that they double down on the mouth kisses in that family. But they fully also, if you look like them, I'm sure kissing kissing people in the mouth is just like the beginning, right? 
Oh, yes. <laughs> like yes, Tom Brady is his dad, right? <laughs> Love you, baby. <laughs> There's actually several candidates where he's yeah. every time him and his dad are right on the mouth. They're mouth kissers. Yeah. And yeah, there's they're mouth kissers. What and- if that's the key to good football? Maybe. <laughs> That's it. Is just kissing a, your dad. Just a light, <laughs> a light French with your dad. Yeah, for every practice. So she goes to like go look at the necklace in the mirror, and she's like having a, a moment of pride. And then Alan Burstyn like can't allow that. Yeah. So she comes up behind her and she goes, "Maybe someday you'll have a daughter of your own. You can pass that on to." Which now I look back, that was not mean of her to say to her, and was actually very appropriate. Yes. Like, don't right. get ahead of yourself, you little bitch. Like, you've got four kids locked in the attic, and I'm dealing with that every day. I'm going up and down these stairs making picnic baskets I hide from the servants. And you're pretending that you're basically like the newest debutante. Yes. And what the fuck is We're even, in like any other any in any other scenario she's a spinster at best. Yeah. Like, you know, like no one else is really happy to see like your 35-year-old daughter move home. Like That's very true. You know, like what a loser I would be <laughs> if someone even like said Merry Christmas to me if I was in that situation, let alone at a party. So the kids see their mom get approached by the dad's attorney. Um, He's hot. He's hot. And like for – because I feel like they referenced him before and it's like Mr. Ridgway or something. Bart Ridgway or something. He sounds really old. Yeah. Now you know he's Bart. He's not. He's a hot, like slick back, black hair kind of guy who, again – I would have guessed he was from the 40s. Yeah. When you see him by himself in his tuxedo. He's like the definition of a slick asshole. Like, yes, you know what I mean? Like, sure. He's just got it going on. And he's wearing the white, like, coat, I think, in this. And the whole, like, tux up. But anyway, he says to her, he's, like, trying to get her, like, go fuck during the Christmas party. She's like, Bart, I can't. Not now. <laughs> and he goes, you must have a secret. You're so beautiful. You're smart. You're soon to be one of the richest women in Virginia. How are you so perfect? Um and she's like, you know, I'm not. Anyway, um, so <laughs> anyhow, then she's like, we have to get back to the party. Um, and then he says to her, I can't wait to start our lives together, just the two of us. Yeah. So he has no idea that one, her two of her oldest children are overhearing this. Um, but like, does are they are they're already planning to be married at this point, right? Yes. And no one, Alan Burson and the father cannot certainly cannot know that this is like advanced to this stage, right? She's their been, relationship, you mean? Yeah, I think she's like probably doing it behind their back. I mean, it's a huge conflict of interest to say the least to have like her <laughs> fucking the lawyer that's in charge of the will, right? And I think. That that informs that scene where she's announcing, like, I'm going to get everything. Isn't it great? Yeah. Where it's almost like, oh, you've manipulated this so that you'll get everything. Yeah. Or, or that's a possible that's a possible aspect of it. But it is, it is to me, it's funny how this, there are things that they don't make a big deal about that to me feel like yeah. huge plot points and, like, um, story points that make you go, oh, now I get why this is happening. Yeah. And instead they do a lot of like focusing on like, is somebody just like a single of someone angrily staring at somebody? Yeah. And that keeps on happening where it's like, if I watch Ellen Burstyn and Sally Draper fight in this room one more time, because it's once again, it's like, it must've been driving like, the set people crazy because it's like yeah we're we're back in the it's not the upper attic we're in the mid-bedroom attic like they fight in that room and go over but it always ends the same yeah how would they describe those because it's not even like the first or the second like incest accusation like in that room (laughs) no we're on a like incest accusation two and a half like we yeah yeah um the other thing too is that like 
it makes this is where I feel really bad for Ellen Burstyn because it makes me realize that she just has like no possession over anything at all. Like she can't go into her husband's office and say like our slutty daughter who has disappointed us at every single turn <laughs> thus far in life is now here again. And I don't think she's honest. And also I have a sneaking suspicion. She's fucking your attorney. So like maybe chill on writing her, you know, writing the will over to her. Yeah. Let's, let's put the brakes on diamond, huge diamond necklaces. Right. And maybe even on you fucking her as well. <laughs> like ha- let's just, ha- how about we just take this one step at a time? Right. But no, she doesn't. She's basically, Ellen Burson is there to wear that wig, answer the door, threaten people with the Bible. Yeah. Insinuate that. Don't forget that incest is always an option. Everybody yeah, yeah. And shut the door. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and bring a picnic basket. Yeah. I love that she brings, it's a picnic basket. It's for almost sure. mean. Yeah. Of like, here's your food for the week, kids, and a fun, cute picnic Go basket. Go to the fields upstairs, you know, <laughs> like it's, it is also like weird to think about like how many people she'd had to dodge on a daily basis to get that picnic basket in and out of there without like causing alarm. Yes. Like she's not someone who carries knitting. You know what I mean? That no. has no other purpose. That's she's exactly right. Feeding children in the attic. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I guess like the only other thing that like, I guess kind of occurred to me with this is that like maybe Ellen Burson's like only leverage she would have had here would be if her husband was upset that her daughter was cheating on him right do you know what i mean yeah like i'm the only man you see yes like and she's just a poor girl poor poor girl (laughs) she's ellen burston by the way she's about as powerless as anybody feel terrible for her i really do actually i don't know why i just do i think it goes Corey when he's suffocating in the trunk and then ellen burston yeah for sure powerlessness so then chris decides he's going to explore the house a little bit um So, you know, Sally Draper goes off to bed and he spots his mom and Bart walking around the party sort of flirting. And then he goes into his mother's bedroom. It's her childhood bedroom. And it's like a fucking palace. Like it's amazing. She has a hand carved swan bed um, and she's got like jewelry everywhere. And like everything looks like it's like basically just like a treasure from somewhere around the world that's been picked especially for her. Yes. Um, It's really, really remarkable. Um, so Heather comes upstairs and sees that Christopher isn't in his room and she goes fucking mental. <laughs> like, and this she is what really I'm like, does. is she like cry cry and drunk or like, is this just drunk? Like what, when, where is this? Where is, because she goes mental on him and just like literally is shaking Sally Draper by the shoulders and saying like, I'll like lock you guys up here for the rest of your lives. I won't feed you. I'll be smacking you around too. Like she's basically going full Ellen Burson on her kids. She really is. And I feel like you do get that sense of this. She got it from her mother. This totally. is how she's always been treated. And top of which it's the stakes are the highest they could be because at this party, if it is discovered that she has kids, she loses the inheritance. She loses the lawyer. She loses all everything she's been working for. I mean, I feel like in that scene, it really was coming together for me where I'm like, oh, I get, I get what this plan is with this character. Right. Like, cause she really is. So the mask slipped and she's like, don't you fucking wreck this for me? Because yeah. you're merely these four items I have to deal with that are in the attic. Yeah. And the loving presence bullshit is goes away and then she's just the monster she is i guess i just didn't know if there was more to it than that or less to it than that because she never goes up there any other fucking night of the week like they could always be out running around the house somewhere um yeah i don't know why she decided in the middle of her party to walk all the way up four flights to check on her children but 
for whatever reason this really triggered her yeah, um she's... i just don't want to give her any credit at this point because sure. i'm like i'm like oh fuck her fear you know like yeah. whatever <laughs> but um she winds up slapping christopher across the face um and the next morning she comes into the kids room and is acting like everything's normal yes and this is where kathy and chris try to like have a little bit of a come to jesus with her where they're like what's the what's the thesis um yes. and she's basically like you know, I'm sorry I worked so hard for this. I was freaking out. You know, you should be happy that I'm getting really close to Bart. Um, but they don't give in right away. So she does this sort of like thing that's obviously a manipulation where she's like, you know what? I made a mistake. Nothing is worth like losing the love of your children. Hello, fucking Alcarin. And then she's <laughs> like, I, we, we could leave right now if you want. And then like with without a moment, without even giving them a beat to argue, she's like, I don't know. And they're like, no, mom, it's fine. Like she... I've never seen someone offer something up so like in such a pathetic way yes. before. And like how stupid of Chris. I mean, Kathy's looking at Chris being like, dude, we cannot trust this bitch anymore. Right. Like what is, what do they have to do? What does she have to do to them? I mean, they're, they're all, they all have like rickets from being in that attic. It's their lives have been very negatively impacted. They just got excited because they got to get out just so they could hide in a liquor cabinet. Yeah. It's, it's not, a big night. it's not good up there. And yeah, it reminded me when she did that thing of like, we can go now. And she opens the door. It's like when you catch a boyfriend cheating on you and he's like, look at my whole phone. And it's the, the, the high, the high risk dice roll of here look through it if you want to so, because they know that you're gonna go no because it's your move that make that heightens it oh like the yeah. offer is so fake and you both know it's a fake offer but it's it's then the onus is on you to like take it up and be like yeah let's leave right now i'm gonna i only need these three things let's go yeah and then you would have to be calling her to the mat it's also fucking freezing out. Like these kids do not have winter wear for this. No. Like that was like they're not going. Yeah, sweetie, you're not going anywhere. She's wearing sundresses in that house, by the way. Like yeah. I know they're rich, but that house is not heated like that. <laughs> so um, now it's like springtime, and Chris is outside looking at some sort of like nudie mag on like the part of the house that they they sit on. I don't know what would you call it, like a roof off of a windowsill. Yeah, like an eve or something. Like it's yeah, kind of like that. It's whatever, not not a turret, but it's like whatever that would be. Where if it's the attic part, and then it has its own little, it's a slight area. landing or whatever, like on the off the window. But it's like cool and fun. If you were a teenager and that was your house, totally, that'd be the place. Sick, to be. yeah. Um, and you know that would drive Ellen Burstyn would have like a fucking heart attack <laughs> if she knew about any of that. That would just send her up the wall. Her and her wig. Um, so Kathy like comes out to be like, oh, you know, I just wanted to say I realize it's been a whole calendar year. And she sees that he's looking at this like, is it a cat? Like, is it a Sears catalog? Like, I couldn't really make it out. It looked like some sort of like bathing ladies sort of magazine. Yeah, it looked like, um, well, again, it looks like a 50s like skin yeah. magazine, but only in the way of like, like here's nurses in their bras. Yes. Like, it looks specific and it looks like only bras. Yes. But he is looking obviously it's just like he's getting what he needs it's what a terrible thing like you're in if you were <laughs> locked away as a teen boy and you just were like whatever in this attic that you can make into porn good right luck. like yeah that's, it seems like that's what he's having i was gonna to say like that looked like surprisingly erotic like i feel like i know mormon friends who like had a harder time finding like a catalog <laughs> to jerk off to than yeah. like this kid i mean it seemed like he found some suitable porn for himself yeah. um but also he doesn't go into a private area no he goes to right outside where they all sit and play 
Because what is he going to do? Lock himself in the bathroom for an hour? Like, no one's going to have any questions about what's going on. But then can't he just say I was shitting? <laughs> like, I guess. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't think you can. I mean, that's the that's the part of the situation. You literally can't lie. You can't lie. Yeah, They'd be that's like, true. No, we know when you shit, dude. You were not shitting. And, you know, I have to say that I think, obviously, they had to boil everything down to the most exciting elements for the Lifetime movie. But in the book, that part is really it is developed better. So it's kind of like this idea that slowly but surely, like, you know, the part that's coming up a little bit where she does ballet and they start wrestling and then her clothes rip because she grows, she's growing out of everything. Yeah. Like they, there's lots more of that that's laid in when you're reading. So it's a natural progression of, you know what I mean? Like blue lagoon where suddenly they're in tatters. They're just in bikini tatters. Yeah. It has more of that feel to it. Yeah. More natural. So she's definitely like puzzled by this. So like overly puzzled. Um, and she's just like, but why Chris, why are you looking at that? (laughs) So, um, he's like, drop it. So Heather Graham comes up and gives Kathy the talk. Um, do you think she got her period? Like, what do you think led to this while we're here? Because there's maybe she just bought her a bra and was like, while I'm here, I'll drop some knowledge. Yeah, maybe. Or she's like, oh, I'm not going to be here when you get your period because I'm never here. Yeah. So I might as well just tell you some of these weird basics of. Uh, there's a maxi pad with a belt like underneath <laughs> the sink in the bathroom. When just that like, time comes, your yeah. brother will teach you. Um, you know, the first time I ever saw one of those uh, belts for a maxi pad, I used it as a headband. <laughs> It was in my it was at my friend Lisa Lanyon's house and it was in the drawer and she had an older sister named Bambi that was like seven years older than her. So yeah. I think when Bambi first got her period, it was just left over and thrown into the back of a drawer. And I went to wash my face and I was like, Oh, here's a white elastic <laughs> headband. And then I came out to say goodnight with the little metal things <laughs> kicking off the side where it would like you snap the I before, don't. I've never seen it. A, a belt. It's hilarious because it's. It was before adhesive. They yeah. Could, they could put adhesive on the maxi pads, but it's very bizarre. Like I feel bad that girls used to have to wear that. They used. They just updated. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. To stop including the belt. Is that true? I think that they did some like like retouches on some of the more dated things. I'm glad because that belt. When I read about it, yeah. it brought me so much anxiety. So much anxiety. To this day, I still am like, I don't know if I'm, is, do I need to learn how to use that? Like, is something going to happen? I mean, it's so funny what a nightmare periods are and yeah. that we don't get any credit for the fact that we have to deal with bleeding publicly yeah. once a month from the worst age you could ever deal yeah from like the your peak of embarrassment just of being alive yeah and then it's like hold on one second longer now you're bleeding in white pants and i remember like just being so ashamed and i don't think that people talk about like period shame because like right. there's a huge it's like it's so embarrassing yeah like to be like i know something's different about me and like you know my parent has this is like a loaded weapon yes. that they could just tell anyone and i remember like begging my mom to like keep secret about it but yes. i still found out she told someone anyway and i was like rip shit and i just <laughs> felt like so like like the most embarrassing private thing yes that i couldn't keep private because no just child, by definition you can't keep it private yeah and because you can't it's very difficult to manage like my thing was always like i i was always so paranoid about getting staining on the back of my pants to this day yeah i will get up and be like let me walk ahead of you. Just tell me, please, if there's yeah. anything. Because the, it's so, like, 
if you were a girl at my school and there was like red on the back of, oh, we had polyester Catholic school uniforms, but like that risk in in any way, you just would be dead. You would just be dead. Like the humiliation would be beyond it's, it's worse than an all-girl environment oddly enough like is it I, I mean i would guess i mean i've never been in an all-girl environment except to say that i know i've gone to like girl scout camp and like all that shit and <laughs> girls are just like when you're in a gang mentality like that yeah like at least guys have their own weird shit going on that like make them ostracized in their own world as well but like i can just imagine girls it's all like in my group too like i had a couple friends who were like serious late bloomers yeah. like like almost 16 without their period oh wow yeah and i and i just remember like that being a huge like hierarchy as well like you didn't want to be the girl that randomly got her period in fourth grade that happened yeah. it was just like dude tiana got her period in fourth grade <laughs> like i had she must be a slut yeah and yeah. then like then there was the girls that just like they didn't get their period to like sophomore year of high school which is like i mean there's really no winning in that game there's no winning it because all you're ever looking for is the median you're just trying to shoot it right up the middle yeah and that's so impossible and there are things that come like i remember getting somebody was talking bad about me and i found out about it because they were like, look how greasy her hair is. And it was just that that beginning of sixth grade where I wasn't washing my hair every morning. Your body's changed. Yeah. And I didn't know I had oily hair because I had yeah. never had it before. And it was like, literally, there was just somebody right there the first day I had oily hair to be like, look at oily hair. And yeah. then I, that was like my trauma for the rest of my life. Do you want to know when I got my period? Yes. On my 13th birthday <laughs> at my 13th birthday party. <laughs> no. When they were bringing the cake out, that's when I got my first period. Yeah. And I was like, something's not right. And then I went to the bathroom and sure enough, I had my first period. And I was like, January. So every January 10th, we celebrate more than one thing in this house, honey. Okay. That's my niece's birthday Oh, really? Too. My niece, Nora. Wouldn't it be crazy if I started menopause on <laughs> my like 60th birthday? I mean, when does that start? 55? Ha- I think it's your mid 50. Oh yeah. God, it's right around the corner for me. But I think like, what if you have the perfect biological clock where you just ding off everything on January 10th? I mean, it would make sense for my life. Like that that's the only thing that worked out. <laughs> like, like the only thing that came on <laughs> nature's time or my time was like that. But yeah, I got my period. If you want me to share back, please share. Um, So you're not alone and you don't have that period shame. Thank you. Because why do we? Um, I went into the, the, the bathroom at the arc light the other day and they had like a full array of tampons, pads, panty liners. It was like, they were like, get in here, girl. We have everything you might need. It was really, it made me really happy, but I got my period at school and I just remember Thanking God that I felt something weird. I caught it before it was like a mess. Yeah. And for these, we had, we had these jumpers that were like thick polyester. They okay. Were like high gauge polyester. They were probably made for people to get their first period. I in. honestly think they were. You, nothing was coming through that. And even if it did, it was blue and black with thin yellow, like right. that it was that. I plaid. can picture it. Yeah. So no, it, I just felt so like, Thank God this could have gone so much. And knowing me, it could have gone so much more wrong. Could have been a didn't. nightmare. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I But I do think that they should do that. I think like any cool like music artist or anyone, if they're being like smart, they should have a fully stocked bathroom for women at yes. all of their shows. It's Taylor Swift. It's the cheapest thing you could do to make a lot of impact. And I'm really, <laughs> I really do. If any other, um, 
major music artists want cheap, crafty ideas from me on how to win over the public. I have tons of them just like that. Uh, but I always think that, like, why not? Just buy out a shit ton of products and have them put out it. I mean, I guess because if you poison one of your audience members with a tampon or something, really going down for that. I yeah. don't know. You don't want to be responsible. But at the same time, I remember being, like, when I was in my 20s, being so poor that I used to steal rolls of toilet paper from bars and stuff. Okay, yeah. So also it would be a nice thing just donating. If do you just need a bunch of like totally. maxi pads and you can't afford them. Yeah, I asked a homeless them. woman if she wanted a tampon once like because she was shaking me down, like really shaking me down. And then when I offered her the tampon, she was like, I don't want no tampon. And I looked at her and I was like, oh, she's a drug addict. Like, I was like, that is, this is the difference to me now. Because yeah. <laughs> before she just needed stuff. Yes. And now she doesn't want a tampon. So that means she's on a very specific beat here and yes. it's just my money. Okay, that's, gotcha. Yes. And that was, that's how you can tell. She's not there to make friends. No, she does not. No. She, no, she's can take care of her bleeding at home. Yeah. Okay, so let's watch this uh, sex scene or this sex talk. <laughs> sex. Love sex. Each other. They have feelings in their hearts as well as their bodies. Mm -hmm. See, at your age, it's natural that your body would start changing. I don't want my body to change. Kathy asked for none of this. Oh, right. Like, choice. It's nature's way of making you into a woman. You don't want to be a child your whole life, do you? What about Christopher? Well, he'll have to start shaving, and there's other things that he'll have to learn. <laughs> like what? Kissing? You know, I'll explain it all to you one day. But in the meantime, anyway. I brought you all some new clothes. And I brought this specially for you. She's so superficial. You know, you're lucky I like, your love age. it, I know kind of. To yeah, I do questions. Here's another mini skirt. Yeah. Like... So then the big bra comes out. It's it's fucking gigantic, you guys. It's a, it's a slip. It's a slip. That's what I thought. It's a slip, right? Yeah. But, like, I wouldn't you... You can pause it here. Oh, wait. No. We've got another minute of incest coming up. This, what are you doing? This is an important incest moment. You look so... So uncomfortable. And then he goes to try to put her shirt on for her. Not normal. I knew I'd catch you sooner or later. <laughs> She's so stoked. She's so proud of herself. That's what I'm saying. It's like I called it. Like, so I fucking called this. You two fucks. And your long golden hair. How many times have you allowed your brother to use you? <laughs> use? What do you mean? I, I She's, in, she is registering some shock on her face for wrong. those of you your at home. Your sister yeah. is almost naked. And she allowed you to look upon her body. You, she has down, you there, girl. guys. What are you doing? I am going to cut off your precious hair down to the scalp. Maybe then you won't feel so much pride when you look in the mirror. You're not going to cut one strand of Kathy's hair. Okay, true story. Chris could take her. Like, right. he could absolutely beat the shit out of this grandma. Her hair. He could push that brooch right into her, the bottom of her neck. Oh, my God, but you're so twins. smart. The scissors itself. Yeah. I think it'll be your brother who will cut off your precious hair. Or none of you will eat at all. She's so mean. 
One of my favorite ways to watch Lifetime movies is on the Lifetime Movie Club, streaming 100 Lifetime movies anywhere, anytime. New movies are rotated in weekly, so you will never run out of new juicy movies to watch. Plus, listeners of Mother May I Sleep a Podcast get an exclusive one-month free trial. Just go to LifetimeMovieClub.com slash malls, and if you're still not convinced, let me tell you about this month's movies. We've got I Am Elizabeth Smart, which I believe was produced by Elizabeth Smart, has Skeet Ulrich in it, and it is beyond creepy. It really... If you ever thought you knew what happened to Elizabeth Smart, watch this because you didn't. Uh, Cocaine Godmother is on there. How could anyone not watch a movie called Cocaine Godmother? And Rules Too Late to Say Goodbye and Committed. Again, to get your free month of Lifetime Movie Club, go to LifetimeMovieClub.com slash malls. That's LifetimeMovieClub.com slash M-O-L-L-S for the exclusive to us offer of one free month. But also the choice then is starving children or she has short hair. I mean, I just wrote down how fucking vain do you have to be to do this? Like the, the vanity here on all (laughs) angles of it. I mean, I get Chris doesn't know anything other than like his mom probably worships her hair and it was a big deal to grow her hair out or something. But like cut your fucking hair off. Like you'll look like Jean Seberg. That girl could, she could rock a pixie easy And also, the best thing is, so then they choose to let Kathy have her gorgeous hair and starve, which makes no sense. And then finally, what, like, I wrote down, like, what happened here? She wakes up one morning and there's dye in her hair. So grandma comes upstairs with, like, a food basket, which, by the way, is very fruit heavy, which you know (laughs) the kids only get when they're good. And so I'm like, oh, okay, grandma's had a real change of heart. And then they all go to sleep, and the next morning she wakes up, like, screaming. Yes. There's some – there's – he thinks it's tar in her hair, and I think grandma, like, straight up put tar in her hair. Tar, okay. I couldn't figure it out, and it looked too watery – it looked like she came up and did the box dye that I use when I just need to cover my roots. Absolutely, That's yeah. What it looked like. I mean, I know her, but like <laughs> that, I I just don't know why, like how they how she got away with this. Like this old woman comes up here in the middle of the night when they're all sleeping and dumps tar in her hair. Yeah, like, even no if way. it is a L'Oreal, like you know, just for Gray's thing, like you know. <laughs> There's some work involved in that. Unless she drugged those grapes. Right. She's just like, you guys, eat this fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? But that's the funniest thing is, so then she's like, okay, I'll starve my younger brother and sister to save my gorgeous hair. But now that it's kind of like mousy brown, you can just go ahead and cut it off. So he starts cutting her hair and he's (laughs) like, God, I just, he's like, I try hard not to think about girls. I just, I wish to God you weren't so close. Yeah. And she goes... Then you do think of me. You think I'm pretty. And he goes, yeah, you're pretty. But brothers don't think of their sisters that way. Um, And so when he's done, like, cutting her hair, she basically is left in the mirror. You think that this is going to be the big incest moment. Yeah. They actually went for, like, kind of a comedy moment. And she's looking at herself. She (laughs) looks like a Rod Stewart wig. Like, (laughs) the wig that she, that they do the cut hair reveal. Yeah. It's like a Wendy O. Williams. There's almost a style to yes. how terrible it looks. Yeah. And how fake it looks. Yeah. And how it, if you're going to give, like, what's easier in the world than giving somebody a bad haircut wig? Yeah. Like, you just cut it erratically and badly. But this looks like a styled, this looks like one of those women in the 80s who's a divorcee 
and decides to start going to bars again and and also at the same time discovers hair gel. Right. That's the feel it has where it's just like everything about She takes up smoking again. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't like I don't know anything other than the cliche which is that she straight up like looks like rod stewart on like a killing it hair day <laughs> yes like he looks that looks very someone tried very hard to achieve that a hundred percent so she's left with that um and then she's practicing ballet in the attic and her hair's already sort of grown down to her chin so we don't have to spend too much time with this wig um but the but i will say the short bob wig bugged me because yeah. she has it on forever it's terrible looking and it is the kind of thing of like, oh, I get it. We're supposed to be living through this bad haircut with yeah. Kathy and I, fine. But after a while, I was like, I just don't want to look at that hair anymore. Like that would be the, the dead ringer. She's a fugitive and not like a, you know, like that's when you look at that kid in public and be like, that's a trafficking situation yes. and not just possible neglect or weirdness. Yes. Like, because only someone who has, I mean, they never touched the ends. Like they never even did <laughs> out for her. No. And I realize the point isn't to make her look pretty. But that looks like a that looks like a fugitive situation. Yes, or in, and it also is a slightly reminiscent of Girl Interrupted, Angelina Jolie, like people, oh yeah, people who got a hold of some safety scissors and are doing stuff with their hair. Totally. Um, so then there's um, you know she's so uh, disturbed by her brother not wanting to dance with her that they sort of get into like a, another playful scuffle. Um, yes, <laughs> her leotard gets ripped, and then there's a comment about how she's outgrowing more than just her leotard these days. Yes. So, Oh, whatever. Gross. And here's the thing, too, that is the titillation of um, falling into a, a wrestling match. Like right. That, it's so high school to me where when you're just like, well, the only how could you get somebody to be touching you where it's like you start it by fighting and then somehow. Right. It'll, it, that's the romantic concept. Yeah. But I feel like with brothers and sisters and I could be wrong. I, I'm sure it's not uniform. But it's like when brother and sister fighting starts, it almost always escalates the opposite direction. Yeah. Where then suddenly you're like head is ringing because you got clocked yeah. so hard. Like it, the idea that this is just going to like turn into a frisky thing where it's like, I mean, I get it. They're, it's, they, they're, they're all they have, but it's right. just so, um, no, you're so right. Gross. But that you're, I think that was my exact like realization around the time that I was like, Oh, I want to see if like this boy will kiss me. It was like, but how are we going to get to like being that close? Yes. It's like, I guess you throw a punch, you know? Yes. <laughs> you have to kick people yeah. or start a problem that then they get frustrated with you. I mean, that's, that was all, that was my game for it's definitely a good to thing to associate with, um, loving contact. Yes. Um, but Kathy, she looks out on the yard, um, and decides that they're going to, they're going to get out of there someday. Yeah. So Chris takes some rope and he scales down the side of the house, which shocking, um, also looks exactly like the old Batman TV show when they would climb up or down a building yes. on rope. And it is clearly an actor standing upright and the camera tilted. Yes. It, it, it's that cheesy and that unrealistic that someone could lower themselves down the side of a building like this. It's also to me, it was not clear that they were going to get out for the night sort of thing. Cause I mean, anyone who's ever tried to climb a rope like a foot let alone like up the side of an entire fucking house like you would not be able to do that these are not athletic children like 
I don't know how these kids got in or out, but that's a it's a big buy. So um, they decide to go swimming in the lake. They step down, uh, strip down to their underwear. They're splashing around. I thought I kept waiting for Ellen Burstyn to just throw the lights on <laughs> to come up out of the lake like Jason. Yes, yeah, <laughs> throw um, the lake lights on. <laughs> And they look at the house and, um, you know, Kathy says to Chris, you know, where, where do you think mom is? And he goes, wherever she is, I'm sure she's thinking of us. Oh, Chris. Chris, you fucking idiot. <laughs> um, so, um, yes, yeah, so they've, you know, they feed a deer, blah, blah, blah. Then they go inside. The twins have found a mouse in the attic. Um, it escaped one of the traps. And the two older kids, like, after some protesting, decide to let him keep it. They were like, you're such a jerk. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um... <laughs> So Corinne comes in and says she has great news. Kathy asks if her grandmother, if her grandfather finally died. And yes. Corinne's like, oh, don't be morbid. And it's like, sweetie, what do you think they're thinking about? Like, this is, we're all waiting for grandpa to die. Not only are they going to be morbid, they're also fucking. I mean, like, <laughs> you've locked these people away. They're going to do all kinds of crazy right. shit. Like, she's coming in like, come on, don't be negative. Or it's like... We're, right. We're, we're prisoners. And it's also like, you know, she lacks emotion about that, Corinne, because she's never met your father, nor did she know he existed. Yeah. And like now your lightness towards it, considering he is your father, is, is more strange. Yeah. Um, so Corinne says that she's gotten married um, to Bart. That's why she was gone for so long. She was on her honeymoon in Europe. Mm-hmm. She just thinks she's going to say this and it's going to be NBD. Um <laughs> And Chris finally stands up to her and he's like, it's been two years, which like allow that to hit you. Like that's (laughs) rough. Um, So long. And her presents don't make up for what they've lost and what they're losing. And she's like, one of the presents is like a little jade gondola. And she's like, this is a boat like from Italy. It's a gondola. And I was like, a five-year-old doesn't know what to do with that. Like that means nothing to them. No. Um, And like, is there anything more like roomish, like in like the movie Room, than like being like, here's a boat from Italy? Like, what <laughs> stare does that at mean this and the- wonder what real life is like. Right. No, they like, you know, they have to think that, that room is their only thing. So, but, but also, this is the part where the fight starts where Chris says, look at, look at Kathy. She doesn't look like a little girl anymore. I know. I mean, he brings it right right to the fore in that like let's let's address the real problem here i totally want to fuck my sister and it's your fault yeah yeah and i did she pick up on that did i wrote i wrote i want to note here that her character is so complex to me is she crazy is she a product of her circumstances it's like she was reflexively jealous of her daughter because she does say to kathy really quickly um kathy says is there any chance that bart even knows that you're alive and Mm -hmm. her mom says to her i can never get anything past you kathy and like is this all for the pie reveal like like yeah the pie was the deep uh foreshadowing of the wise wise and girl to come yeah where actually the mother resents her daughter's sharp eye uh i mean what i love is that in that same argument she says it, like th- this is a time to be happy for me. Like how crazy do you have yeah. to be <clears throat> with all their valid arguments and complaints? And she's just like, why can't you be happy for me? Yeah. And <laughs> none of her. And, um, on top of like, you know, the, why can't you be happy for me? It's like, she really couldn't understand any less as the years pass that like none, like the embroidered hand embroidered dress, like that doesn't even fit her anymore. And, and she's right. She didn't have anywhere to wear it. Yeah. And like, why are you giving this kid a gondola? And why are you giving him a vintage um, magnifying glass? Like, what is he going to magnify? Like, 
there's just like there's no understanding of like in addition to the hell that they're being put through that like she just comes in and makes everything worse with bad gifts it's like having like a show-offy like i don't know like i I can't imagine like it would be like having like some stunt queen be like your um like child custody case (laughs) officer like when you're a kid and you're just like oh like i'm sorry like i will never be you so just leave me here like yes and you're here trying to get credit for giving us things we don't want or need and always ignoring what we do want and need and and those things are very basic like vitamin b and like the just the basic shit yeah she's like but how about a little boat yeah yeah and i i think also like i maybe this was just to kind of show the i don't know that like these things just don't buy her any more time anymore because like for a while this bought her a lot of time yes but like now it's fucking unacceptable especially when she's showing up with a goddamn jade boat like she's gotten so out of touch she doesn't even pick up on the fact that her children are in love (laughs) absolutely fucking there's that there's like huge crush situation right So, um, grandma comes up with donuts the next morning and they're like, Oh, you brought us donuts. And she's like, no, they're not from me. They're from your mother. And I I wouldn't eat them. They're bad for your health. So, um, (laughs) so just let that, you know, what's so funny is I completely missed that moment. I think I looked, I think that was, I swear to God, I only looked at my phone at one point and I think it was that. I said it earlier, but now I'm thinking because I didn't get when they were being when they were poisoned. I had no idea what was going on. I was yeah. like, I picked that phone up too soon. And I, I this is where I kind of I like again. I'm like Alan Burson's the only one doing these kids any favors. Yeah, she's like heads up. These might be poison. <laughs> Imagine if that was your upbringing. Is the best thing anyone did for you was be like maybe don't eat poison. Yeah. Anyway. But we'll let you think it could be also because they're saturated fat. Like yes. when they, she says they're not good for your health, like it's unclear. Yes, uh, that's right. <laughs> to say the least, I'm surprised that a 12 year old girl was supposed to work through that. So Kathy's <laughs> like, you know what? This is the time. We got to leave. We got to get out. Yeah. So grandmother sees um, Christopher at the window um, and she's like, boy, come over here. And he's like, my name is Christopher, just like my father. And this is the first time that like. I don't, I'm like, dude, fucking sock her in the face. Like, if you want to get out of here, but thank God he didn't. Um, and she went, he winds up choosing to like take the beating. So the three older siblings sit up, or the three other siblings sit upstairs while their big brother gets the shit beat out of him by Ellen Burstyn. Right. Um, so, um, Kathy's cleaning Christopher's wounds in the bathroom downstairs. Um, and this basically like segues into their first hookup and Kathy, <laughs> Kathy wakes up in the morning. Wait, can I just say that at one point she's cleaning like open wounds up and down his back. Yeah. Complaining that she's scared. Yeah. I remember I was so that, hearing scared. that and just being like, hold off on your feelings dump while like he's been physically beaten to a pulp. Like yeah. how about let's focus on his bad feelings for a little while yeah and he's like don't worry i'm right here and like he means it in every way (laughs) so the next morning she wakes up and like just you know she wants to make sure that he knows that it wasn't a mistake right (laughs) she's like um you know they wake up in bed yeah well no he's at the table sitting Oh, okay. This isn't the one where, like, when they wake up, they're both laying there no, and it's all white. No, that was, that was, I was like, what are you two doing? You've gotten too comfortable. <laughs> For real. Like, grandma's, com- I mean, grandma doesn't like you guys standing by a window together. 
let alone this. So she goes over to her brother at the table and she like puts her, her arm on his, her hand on his shoulder and he's like being quiet. And she's like, I know what we did last night was wrong, but it felt good. Didn't it? Wasn't it romantic? Gross. <laughs> um, and then the grandmother walks in on them. Um, one Oh eight 31 to one Oh nine 33. It's where we're going to see something happen. Yes. What is the meaning of this? I mean, Nothing. how many times has this happened? Literally, you write about us all eight? this was the least suspicious thing that they've done. We are the devil's spawn. When someone wants to do wrong, it's never God who's tempting them. For God never wants to do wrong and never tempts anyone else to do it. Temptation is the pool of man's own evil thoughts and wishes. <sighs> Can you ever forgive us? Only the Lord can forgive you, boy. Prayer is the key to your salvation. So basically he's like, yeah, we're the devil. All your worst fears have come true. (laughs) But oh, psych, JK, he's so excited because in his hand was a piece of soap where he recreated the key. Guys, if you're ever locked in an attic, that's not going to work. And I'm just going to give you a feel free to do your crafts and get (laughs) excited. But, like, this is not – this is not the plan. This is from a movie and for a movie only. A hundred percent. Because also the idea seems to be – or at least the picture in my mind is that Ellen Burstyn wears a ring of keys on her hip. (laughs) And that's how he distracted her to press one of the keys into soap. Like, what? Where was that? I think it was like he took her hand, but like we didn't see it because if there was any visualization of that, we would see he was holding a fucking bar of soap and And, like, and she would feel it. Right. A hundred percent. But it's like a little like hotel. I mean, I guess I can see how this would work in a MacGyver sort of way. If Um, you had two years to plan and you were, it's everything in this room. What can you use to get out? And if you're Christopher and this really only took you 30 minutes to put together, I mean, he (laughs) fucked his sister once and was like, I got to figure this out. Like Christopher was dead ass sure that mom was coming back and that they were going to live a fat life like yes. two days ago. So yeah, he's has some hard turns. Yeah. Um, but when he wakes up, he really, he really does. So he, um, Kathy's like, let's start collecting money from around the house. We can steal from mom. She's careless with money. Um, and she started to sort of like, they go to their room and there's like, they're playing with her stuff. And Kathy's really like, kind of seeing that her mom lives a fabulous fucking life for the first time she starts looking through these like papers and she finds is it the kama sutra (laughs) was it i think so but because it's just like a sketchbook of like fucking yeah but it did look a little more biblical it looks very like greek mythology or something it had like an old timey and and i don't want to reveal too much about my own preferences but there (laughs) did seem to be like a centaur or something. There was uh, yes. like a big ripply bull-like thing. And yeah. they were just kind of flipping through these pages. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Does the Kama Sutra get freaky like that? I feel like there's a lot of versions of it out there. I mean, I don't know it well enough to say what isn't in it. Is that like a prop centaur or like is that somehow involved? I mean, I don't even – I was – I swear to God, the first thing I thought was like, oh, it's like a dirty Bible. But then right. it's like, I don't, I don't really think this exists. No. And this, <laughs> so these are all the dirty parts of the Bible that we illustrated. <laughs> um, but this never like leads to anything anyway. They just like, look at this Except sketch. Except it leads you to go 
okay, so let's see. She's looking at that, and she's getting titillated. Right. He's looking at that. He's getting a boner. Of course, he's standing behind her at all fucking times. Right. It, like... I think that's the the magic and the shame of all these stories is what, all the things it plants in your own head or it makes you conjure and then just kind of are left with. Yeah. Because nothing really is pointedly, you know, it's all just, it's all innuendo. Yeah. And you feel like the big perv. It's so true. I mean, and, you know, they've got a lot they got to layer in here. Like, I guess props to the writer. This is three minutes longer than your average Lifetime movie. Is it really? Yeah. So they they decided to very intentionally keep things like they gaze at a sketch of a centaur, like, <laughs> fucking something. Um, and now I want to gaze at that same kind of sketch. You know what? We, we can work it out. So um, the kids hear a hammering noise outside. They're putting up a big fence. Um, Christopher and Kathy sneak out to see if they're escaping plan is still realistic um kathy at this point spots bart um her mother's now husband sleeping on her on his bed they're still fucking in her childhood bedroom for some reason right um and she walks up to his sleeping body and gives him a kiss um when christopher's out he realizes that this is actually an electric fence which seems that doesn't that's not 60s right no that would i think that's 70s 80s right yeah um, and he's Christopher spots his mom and Bart in the hallway. They're talking about money going missing here and there. And Heather Graham says something about, you know, oh, you left me alone at the dinner party. I want to move out too. let's maybe go on a vacation. He's like, I can't. I got to work. Um, and then he says, you know, I had this weird dream when I was in your bed. A beautiful young blonde girl came into the room and surprised me. She kissed me on the lips. And he says that it must have been a, some sort of dream where I'm like, you just basically told your wife that you had a dream about a child kissing you. Yes. Like, and she's like, oh, must have been a dream. And, like, meanwhile, <laughs> she's, like, kind of jealous that her daughter got some. But it's like, girl, like, when your man tells you that, like, it's not because it's another chick. It's because it's how young was this child yes. that you're telling me kissed you in your dream. Yes. And you, that you describe as lovely with positive feelings. So um, Christopher finds out about this kiss on the lips and he's rip shit when he gets back. We This is a side of Christopher we have not seen. This is it. And not even in the in the these past like beating times yeah. or in this last, you know, we are of the devil speech he gave. This is the most uh angry kind of like he's so hurt male reactive that we've ever seen him because he's normally so understanding and and so yeah such a leader and he doesn't come out and say like you know like basically like how dare you cheat on me but (laughs) but it's absolutely what he's saying yeah he's saying like kind of like you know you could blow all of this for all of us um and what he means is right so then they <laughs> they then they go at it again uh, and they're laying in the bed upstairs the scene we're talking about where they're oh, just kind of the, okay. laying prone nude like are you fucking insane like Nan- nana's gonna kill you and sorry but even if this was not about incest those two people are very young to yes. have us smash cut to a to a very like whitewashed looking very romanticized scene of like a 14 year old and a 15 year old post coitus laying in bed. I just, I was looking at it. I was just like, everything about this is wrong. Yeah. And your normal lifetime movie, like that's where the plot turns and you find out that he just gave her HIV. Yes. Like exactly. that, that's what happens in the normal lifetime movie. But this, we're just, 
that does nothing comes of this except they find out that the youngest twin or one of the twins is dying because um, the little sister runs in while they're in bed naked together chilling out like like full-grown adults that have been married for five years yeah like a hippie-ass married couple yeah and, and that little sister doesn't bat an eye no it's not weird to her so mm-hmm. Ew. So, um, <laughs> it's so gross. It's gross. It's gross if they were all strangers. Yeah. It would still be as gross. But we, I should say that before the sister comes in to say her brother's dying, um, Kathy's <laughs> like, maybe we can go to Florida. Um, so. <laughs> That's the first line she has yeah. is, we could go to Florida. Like, you just fucked your brother, and now your big plan snacks her to maybe get out of this attic and move to Florida. It's like, if the, the incest... If it was the incest Super Bowl, that Florida is Disneyland. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very sad. Like, when you realize, oh, they're kids. Like, they can't dream. Like, they don't no. can't dream too big. That's their like, dream. Yeah, they want to get to, they want to have to stop. They want to be married to each other. And yes. they want to move to Florida. They don't even realize that if they leave that attic, other people will come into their lives and change all of these feelings. All I kept thinking was, like, sis like you can't go out into you can't ever you guys have one of you has to die like this is a murder suicide where one of you just (laughs) kills and moves on because imagine being insanely in love with your brother who is beautiful and kind uh so you're rightfully so but then you get out into the world and then your brother just likes the girl that works at 7-eleven the second he sees her and you're just like Oh, so, well, Karen, you might not have to imagine it because I think that's what movie number two is all about. Is that true? Yeah, it's I'm, disgusting. I'm truly malls I'm, going home and I'm going to watch number two and live text you as I do. I'll read you a little bit. Of, it's disgusting. Like, I, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to be watching so. it too. It's really like, because they're fucking adults, like, and they're fucking adults. Like, they are, make, they have full blown, in, in movie two, they've doubled down on their decision to really? go with this yeah and as i said like they live a nicer life than i think most people would qualify like 90 percent of the people we know to live isn't this the height of uh kind of like um what do they call that aspirational television yeah like in the way of you most of us at least i anyway have no experience of like upper upper class what truly rich people do totally and so it is this idea of like when you're that rich you can true like all morals go away yeah you don't have to abide by any of the rules of any kind yeah and it is there is the the perversion partly is the fantasy of what if i wasn't catholic anymore what if i didn't have all these burdens of of sexual shame or um, a, a judgment of what other people thought and I yeah. could just be like who gives a fuck I'm doing I'm gonna fuck whoever I want yeah no you're right that's actually something I don't think about enough which is that we really could probably never know how the very very top peak of society lives because it's probably so depraved and disgusting you can throw money at anything yes um, do you think when like there's a crack like that do you think that's a raccoon jumping on the house well also this house is probably it's 1957. Yeah, that's just that's like wood, weird so just wood, like wood joints. Because I bet you they built it like yeah, joint and whatever. What's that called? Joists or something? Yeah, one of those uh, where it kind of math moves. things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I sometimes I'll hear a big thud up there, and I'm like, that's a goddamn raccoon jumping up there. Yes. Uh, Anytime I've heard a scary noise at my house, it has been a raccoon. Yeah, right. They're yeah. just around. Yep. Yeah. Um, and they don't talk about like. 
the the elite raccoons don't no, give no, a fuck. No, they don't give a all. fuck. No, they, they don't. <laughs> they're not afraid of. Maybe they're the, the most they're not tenderly asking a friend if they maybe think that's a raccoon on their fucking roof. Molly, no. um, they've got their hand down in the chimney. They don't give a fuck. So, um, it's true. Um, so Corey or whatever the boy twin, he's dying. Um, they think he has food poisoning. So whether Graham comes into the room, and I wouldn't even. I mean, we're going to play the scene, but I wouldn't even know if I would begin to describe the look on her face because she's not hand-wringing in any way. It's not like she's walked in and seen, like, spilled milk. Like, there's no, like, urgency or surprise or any real, like, emotional reaction. Maybe you can nail it down for me. But I was like, Heather, I'm searching for one. (laughs) Like, just one. Like, maybe you hate these kids and this is what you've always wanted. But give me a thing. Well, and that would make the most sense because then all of a sudden you're like, the the that whole game of uh, just a couple more days and I'm gonna secure our future or whatever like almost like all of that pretense is gone now and now she's just like are you gonna die like are yeah. you gonna eat the poison donuts you motherfuckers because I'm trying to clear out clear the deck so I can marry this guy I've never seen anyone look at anything like that like it's not as if she's looking in a mirror or like through a window like people normally have like a, a some expression or thought on their face she has nothing it's yes. wild yes um 11632 to 11846 <laughs> he's been vomiting for hours I think it might be food poisoning he needs to go to the hospital that's nothing yeah, I've had food poisoning for 24 full Why hours. Why are you just standing there? Don't you care what happens to him? Have you forgotten that you're his mother? You. It's always you. <laughs> yes. And? Yes! Cassie, stop! You think you can do anything you want, and people will believe you. They'll learn the truth someday. When your husband learns you have four children... Locked away in an attic. See how perfect he thinks you really are. And your father, too. You won't inherit one damn penny, and I'll be glad. Girl is right, Corinne. That child should go to the hospital. Again, I feel like this boy looks so sick. I know. But you're right, Heather Graham, Corinne, yeah. stands there like a robot until her mother tells her what to do and then she does it. It's she interesting. She has no feeling. She doesn't give a single shit. The wig that it's really Kathy's special wearing is rough stuff. Yeah. It reminds me of when I get out in the shower and I don't part my hair the right way <laughs> and I'm like, I've never been uglier. I drove Corey to the hospital. How is he? She did not drive him to the hospital. She did not. Corey had pneumonia. The doctors did all they could, but it was too late. Will there be a funeral? This is the best. He's already been buried. He's been buried already. Buried. He's been buried already. But I love the idea that the kids, like, want the ceremony of the funeral to say goodbye to their brother, like, as if that, you know. Can we have a funeral up here in the attic? Also, it's as if, like, it that timeline is so fast. It's just, like, you, if you do the airplane version of this movie, yeah. that kid, they, they, like, all right, call it 
time of death, you know, 635, <laughs> and then the bed flips sideways and he goes straight into a pre-dug grave. Totally. Like, that's how, like, all business... He's already buried. Like, what are you talking buried. about? He's already been buried. He's already been buried. I mean, the way that the kids are pacing, they've either been pacing like that since two days ago or what. But, like, they're all... Again, these kids every day get up. They put on new outfits. They do their hair. <laughs> they like, drive. their child is wearing a matching belt to her the rest of her outfit. Like, yes. that five-year-old did not pick out that belt. No. Like, she, Kathy really is the mother, okay? She's the mother of the dolls. They're all dolls. They have to be perfect right. and attractive. They're still upkeeping. That's right. Okay, so there is a moment that's coming up where she does say to her brother, I love you, Christopher Doll. Yes. And, like, now I realize. Because they were lying about their last name. That's right. But it, it was, was something Dollinger? like Dollinger or Dahlberg or something really long. Yeah. It, no, it was Dollinganger. It was Dollinganger. like, it was some, which is like so ugly for a name you picked your, your picture selves. And I find VC Andrews does a lot of that where she uses words that sound like other words. So it's like Dollinganger. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, we're the Dollinganger family where it's just like, can't you just. Like, lady delete a syllable yeah it yeah. doesn't need to be the longest name you can think of yeah or like i don't know we a last name that absolutely no one would ever come up with <laughs> because there's no way that these two inbred people that raised these kids came up with dollinganger for yeah. like for funsies on their like honeymoon That's so right um they go to their mom's room to like ransack <laughs> it and take anything else they can but it's all gone everything the only things left in her room are like the little pieces from her old life like the picture of her ex-husband or deceased husband and the necklace he gave her and kathy's um purity ring or whatever promise ring they're like okay we're gonna wait until christopher's like she's dead to me and it's like welcome to the party christopher Um, it only took you two years in an attic to be like maybe my mom's fucked and a dead brother and like fucking your sister (laughs) um so they're all going to wait until dinner when the servants are in the kitchen. Um, then they're going to walk to the train and be halfway to Florida by the time grandma gets uh, to the room in the morning. Christopher starts to get a little bit of a cough. Um, and then we see him, you know, really deciding to walk around that house and take as much as he can. Um, so he's grabbing like candlesticks and stuff like that. Then we hear two servants, oh, two servants kind of overhear him um, moving and they come to the room and then they do all this great exposition where they're basically, we find out Mr. Foxworth is dead and has been dead for seven months. Yes. Um, that for some reason they've been bringing rat poison in large quantities to the attic. Right. Which lines up with the, you know, Oh, we've got mice situation, but also why the large amounts? Um, and then Christopher, you know, here's this information, decides to scurry off, but not before he can catch his grandmother washing her wig yes. um, in her, alone in her room, like styling it with this really haunting hair. Like, yes. just like maybe like taped to like eight by 11 pieces of paper to the sides <laughs> of your head. And like, it has that thinness. And like, also, if you were to stand under a light, it glows like that. Yes. Like, what is, what color is his hair blonde or white? Uh, in my opinion, it's white. Um, although remember I admitted earlier that I kind of missed that. (laughs) I just thought it was like, oh, she hasn't finger waved herself yet. Right, right, right. But it reminds me of, uh, Halloween spider webs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It has that clear, like sheerness to it. Yeah. It almost glistens. Like, and, and the way they did it, it, 
because you can tell Ellen Burstyn's like, yeah, don't make me look like a total hag. Yeah. So part of it was like, is, is this supposed to be angelic? Like, what is right. the take here? It's just sad and resigned. Like, it's like, you know, this woman that you've been allowing to bully you is actually a very frail old woman <laughs> who conditions her wig alone in her room. <laughs> like, what a life. So we're um, all in an attic in in some ways. <laughs> all of us are trapped in attics with our hot boyfriend. I mean, brother. I'll be I'll be thinking about this for a while. <laughs> this movie is full of slow burns. Um and so Kathy tells Christopher that like while he was gone the mouse died, Mickey. The, so the kids that, that we're supposed to believe these twins have been keeping a mouse alive this whole time. Right. I don't know what shelf life is on a mouse, but like I assume even a one you get at a pet store and take very good care of. Maybe has like a year. Well, especially if it's surrounded by poison, which is like one of those details where I'm like, yeah, is that we already have the poison donuts. We don't need rat poison just in the corner or like, are they supposed to be inhaling it like asbestos? So it's the powdered sugar on top of the donut. Is rat poison? So Kathy realizes that the, the little girl tells, um, tells her sister that Carrie tells Kathy that, the mouse died because she fed it a piece of donut that she had been saving for Corey when he came home from the hospital. Oh, right, right. So these donuts have been around. Okay. It's the powdered sugar on top of the donuts. Okay, got That it. is rat poison. And, like, yo, like, there's no way. Like, I know people sneak people poisons all the time. But, like, you're not telling a child that that's powdered sugar and it's rat poison. Right. I'd imagine there's a taste even a rat poison. A hundred percent. I think it's a real bad taste. Yeah. That you would kick that that does not go with like a jelly center. No. That they'd be like, eh, yeah, I'll just stick to those grapes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's not realistic. It, so is the idea that when he was trapped in when he's when that poor child <laughs> suffocating in a trunk, no one tried to take anybody. Separate to the incident. Hospital. Separate and earlier but not an emergency. And then like this food poisoning where they're like, it, it, it just, the priorities and like yeah. why they do, why they, why they take action when they do and why they don't is baffling to well, me. Well, part of me wondered if maybe the first time they didn't even say anything. Cause I mean, as a kid who got into mischief and you know, I'd just be like, don't tell, like, you know, yes. I mean, I jumped off the roof of the house and I didn't tell anyone. <laughs> So, like, I was literally at a doctor, and they are like, someone would only have feet like this if they had fell from a really high distance. Shit. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I should probably get around to telling – I'm 27 now. I should probably For get – real? That much longer? Yeah, I was seven, and I, I waited 20 years. I didn't think of it. Wait, yeah. I have, bad, I have bad problems. <laughs> I bet. Wait, yeah. did you have, like, broken bones in your feet? No, um, it's in my ankles. Like, well, you know what? Actually, I don't know. It could be unhealed things, but it's in my ankles are really, like, stuffed in there. Yes. And she was like, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. My ankles are real stuffed in there. So <laughs> that's what happens when you try to jump between two houses like oh. you're in a cartoon. I mean, I could do it sometimes. So I didn't know that this would be the one. It was only, like, a story. Like, it wasn't very still. far. It was still... No, it's Shit. very far for a seven-year-old to fall. But, like, that said, I don't know if I probably would have gone to the hospital. Like, that... I don't right. know if that would have warranted... Yeah, like, I think I really had to be, like, bl- like... Something had to be sticking out of your skin. Sure. I mean, that's... Yeah, that's and why even kids aren't then, in charge. Probably an ice pack would have been thrown on it for a week or <laughs> yes, so. Exactly. And then we'd talk about it. Wait, um, was, is your mom a nurse? No, my mom is my mom um, ran like catering companies, and so my mom was an artist, and then oh, she right. became a single mom very young. So she does 
she's like a she's like one of the OG like clothing flippers type people. Oh wow. Yeah, like now that's a cool job to have. But Shauna was doing that forever. We were always like vintage shopping. Love it. So, um, AKA like my mom would pick me up on the reg with someone else's trash can in the backseat. <laughs> it was always like a whole thing. Yes. But she was good at what she did. So, um, so they realize, okay, they're, they're getting poisoned up here. This is happening. So let's just play the final scene where all of this is discovered. They're able to defeat the dragon. <laughs> so it's actually really sad for everyone. You have a key. Now give it to me. She got that wig on quick and her clothes. That's right. No. Give it to me this instant. So what she's about to hit him with is a collection of sticks. It's like a willow branches. Willow branches. Yeah. Give me that. You're never gonna leave this room. You're gonna hit me. You're gonna whip me. Come on. Come on, do it. Beautiful, prideful, and weak. Just like your mother. That's not true. You were never meant to be born. You're a stain on the Foxworth name. On the name of the Lord himself. Now, if you give me that key, I may show you a little mercy. Christopher. Come on. So he faked out giving her the key, total fake pulled out. her down, and then here's they planted this seed so subtly, which Grandma's was got uh, come on. claustrophobia, claustrophobia, claustrophobia. Thank you. And so she can't. She, they knew that they would never like be in the attic with her yes. because of that. But she's very claustrophobic. I mean, this is pathetic. Open the door and turn on the light. I need the door to be open. What are you doing? No, no, open the door. No, what are you doing? No. Like you said, God sees everything. He'll punish you for what you did to us. No. To Corey. No. What? It wasn't me. It was your mother who poisoned you. Not me. Such good crying. I know. This is perfect. Does it matter anymore? I love also that, like, Christopher's having yet another realization. It's like, babe. Don't leave me. Help. Help. (laughs) She's just on the stairs. terrible. (laughs) It's as if she's on the side of a mountain and she's just on a staircase. I don't know if she ever got out of that like i really <laughs> i really do wonder like if they if someone were to find her like how would she ever explain this in part four they open that door and her mummified body is just standing on the stairs i would not be surprised <laughs> i mean this is it's just crazy so then the um kathy writes kathy is here kathy was here underneath the calendar 
because she's like obnoxious. Like it's right. so annoying mm-hmm. um, to me for some reason. It's so Kathy. It's so Kathy. Mm-hmm. And then the rope breaks as they're like climbing down the stairs. Of course it does. But yes. the kids are okay. They're stopped by a hunter on their on their like halfway up to the property. I thought I thought that was the groundskeeper. Groundskeeper. Sorry. Yeah. Um, He's holding a gun. Right. Because you see him a little bit at the beginning, like talking to the main. Yes. Member. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like. I mean, he's like, you know, going to stop them. He thinks they're burglars. And then Kathy just fucking chills him to the bone. And she's like, please take mercy on us. We're Corinne's kids. And he just looks at them. And, like, the way that's, like, must have come together for him was real, like, gnarly to think about. Like, I was like, that poor man doesn't need this. Like, he's not making a great living out here. (laughs) You know? (laughs) He is making groundskeeper's wages. Yeah. He's been with this fucking insane family for years. You know they don't, like, give nice bonuses or anything thoughtful. And he's standing in the room every time one of these incest fights starts. He knows about every piece of dirty laundry. And props to Sally Draper, the way she delivers, like we're Corinne's kids is great because he really does. And he goes from like, stop right there and holding a gun in their face to going, go get out now. Yeah. He's like, I'll cut, I'll cut the fence for you. He's like, get, go before they make me send for you or like go before they send me to get you. And I was just yeah. like, Oh my God. Like he put that all together a lot faster than anyone else has this whole time. Yes. Like God bless that thinking man. Then the people it was happening to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just really came to terms with it and decided to free these children. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking though, like that poor guy, like the, like what was his relationship with Corinne? Like maybe he had a daughter who went to school at the same time as Corinne and she mm-hmm. was this cunty reg girl. You know, his kid graduated the same day and no one said anything to him about it. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's working <laughs> hard. So, um, and they're so creepy. They truly are. They are three ghosty looking kids because they do look like they've been poisoned. Yeah. And they have been in an attic for two years. So it is that thing where they're, it's total Ricketts style. And she's just like, let us get out of here. And so there, it must be, I, that is one of my favorite in, in like true crime stories. If somebody happens upon someone that got, they just fought their way out of somewhere yeah. is my favorite thinking about what it would be to be the person that comes upon those people yeah, and how disturbing and what a shock to your system it would be to turn around and there's just like someone in a bloody nightgown walking towards you. When it's you. someone who just like should not have survived. Like right? I think about that Slenderman girl that like, like climbed. I mean that girl, I wouldn't want to be, I mean, I hate to say this. I wouldn't probably want to survive that. So crazy. Just the reality of the world hitting me after I thought I was going to have this one thing and it turned into another thing. Yeah. To think about a little girl who's been stabbed like dozens of times climbing out of the woods by herself and then is like happened upon by some joggers. Like that is some like I wouldn't wish either of those scenarios on any living or dead human. No. I would not suggest you come back from the dead and go through that. Like it just that's that's the worst thing. It's the worst, worst. And when you're in a fictional um, uh, dirty book um, (laughs) where you've been working on this weird, creepy um, estate for your whole career. Right. And and then four kids you've never seen before who have been starved and poisoned are kind of just trying to get by you. Yeah. Like, and you think they're interlopers. It's real. And not only that, but then you completely buy their story that they're the secret children that have been living in the attic. Like, fuck. Within seconds. What have you seen if you buy that? So dirty stuff. Then we we see the uh, three of them. They're riding off on the train. They look like a little couple with their baby. Um, 
which, you know, uh, speaking of happening upon stuff, like, I'm just like, how does this play out in the real world in your mind? Exactly. Like, you literally land on Florida and someone's like, why do you two kids have a kid and what's you two, like, what's your deal? And let me see your social security card. Totally. They have nothing. Like, how are they going to start over? They have nothing. I, I'm so excited for this part. Too and, now. like, their mom is, you know, she is definitely alive. She's not dead. So no one can ever, like, find them under these identities because they'll just go right back to her. Yes. And she now has all the money. Yep. And she's clearly batshit nuts. This is why um, book two, I think, will be of interest to you. Um, <laughs> but so then she gives this little monologue um, where she says, for the first time in a long time, we felt alive, free. We had everything ahead of us. But then someday we'd see mom again and we'd look at her straight in the eye. Her children she once loved and all of our shame and hopelessness would become hers. So like right then I'm like, well... I already, like, was curious, and now I really have to know. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, this is what the next book is. Yeah. I didn't really realize that it was, like, a sequel. And that let alone are there, you know, th- I three more Wikipedias I can read about what this book was. <laughs> but there's four fucking movies in total. So do you want to know a little bit about what Petals on the Wind is about? Sure. 100%. So we uh, meet the Dollenganger children, Kathy, Chris, and Carrie, um, at the – uh, 10 years ahead at the funeral of their adopted father. So it's this okay. man that's sort of like this um, Mr. Warnermont from Punky. Um, <laughs> and But they, sexier. But there needs to be a sex element to it, I'm sure. Kathy has become an aspiring ballet teacher, and Chris is in medical school, and Carrie's enrolled in an elite high school, but is constantly bullied for her small size. Well, yeah, wait she- till they found out what's really going on in her house. <laughs> um... But, yeah, so she's small. So then, um, you know, long story short, there's some relationships. Bottom line, these two are still fucking well into their 20s. And then it kind of all, like, I guess the – all comes to a boil when – guys, this is, like, the big spoiler. It all comes to a boil when they go to um, the Fox something – whatever it is, the Fox – Foxmore? Foxmore Mansion Mm -hmm. where um, Corinne is now, like – redoing it because her mom is on her deathbed she's about to die and she has all the money now okay and um corinne is like you know crazy as ever she won't even acknowledge that carrie is her daughter carrie's supposed to be getting married to like someone um this minister guy um even though for some reason um she has it in her mind because of something her grandfather said that all ministers are very dirty men (laughs) Um, so wait, she, sorry, Carrie's the youngest one. Yeah. So she's, she's uh, like, um, engaged, even though she's, I like, she's probably 17. Wow. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, these people don't do it normal. So, <laughs> um, then, um, Carrie, um, Corinne, Carrie doesn't get like the kind of like the, what she needs from Corinne emotionally here. Mm-hmm. So she winds up killing herself with <gasps> like rat poison donuts. No. So she can go be with her brother. That's horrible. Um, and this is the biggest possible spoiler alert. Uh, alert. Uh, Corinne blames Olivia for forcing her to put her children in the attic. Olivia counters that the children are abominations that didn't deserve to be born. She gives Corinne a trunk of her old possessions, which when open reveal the skeletal remains of Corey. No. Corinne has a <laughs> mental breakdown and sets the bed and her mother on fire. <laughs> Jesus. Bart rushes in to save Olivia, but they both die in flames. Kathy and Chris escape to watch Foxworth Hall burn to the ground. Six years later, Kathy and Chris are now married and living happily in California with whoever, whoever Jory and 
Bart Jr. Now, Kathy fucks her mom's husband and gets mm-hmm. pregnant with his baby. It's what? Bart, it's Bart Jr. Yeah. And Corinne, this, this, is, this is why this is a nice icing on the cake for us. Corinne is institutionalized and deemed incompetent to stand trial for her crimes. Which, like, yes, thank you. Finally, someone's talking about what's going on with Corinne. Corinne's mental health, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. she's... This is like, this is actually, it it does also kind of even out for her to be around the age where like, if you have like a severe onset of a mental illness, like this is when it would be popping for like Corinne. I do wonder if she has nothing diagnosable by today's standards, but like she has something going on there. Well, some kind of a PTSD situation for just the, just that heightened experience of being from Foxmore Hall and all the pressures the idea, though, that Kathy, again, even if this wasn't an incest-based storyline, that Kathy is supposed to be happily married to her brother and then fucks her her. They get stepfather. married after the fact. Like she, she, they try to be apart for a while. Oh, okay. And then it's a, it's a will they or won't they? I think in number two because they decide, you know, no, we're in our twenties. We have to stop doing this. But she still doesn't go outside the household. So she does meet a guy who's also a ballet dancer. And they go to New York and he's abusive to her. Okay. And um, I guess Chris gets engaged to – he's a a doctor. So one of the powerful doctors at the hospital sets him up with his daughter. And then Chris is like – feels like he has to propose to her. You're right. And then – um, he says to Kathy, like the night before the wedding, like, I don't want to go through with this, but I have to. And Kathy's like, you have to. And then they wind up having a passionate kiss and his fiance walks in on this. And so then he loses <laughs> his job and they have to move, like they, they have to move to California because he's disgraced in the medical community for incest. Can you imagine? <laughs> Literally not one part of it. If, like. There was a there was a picture that was going around online for a while, and it was the picture. It was a wedding party, it from the front, but yeah. then it, somebody took a picture from behind, and the groom was holding the best man's ass. Yes, have you seen that? No, I've I I think I I think I have wagon stuff. But it was like the idea that that would be happening right at your wedding, where like that at some point that bride must have seen that picture or just been like holy shit wasn't it a passioned ass grab it seemed like it okay like it seemed kind of like we're gonna get away with this thing while while at the worst case scenario flirty flirty and so to me in my mind that was always like that would be the worst case scenario but then you just named something that actually topped that yeah walking in on your fiance committing incest with his sister how long has this been going on? <laughs> and if, if my dad is your boss, like, what is the real long game here? Like, did my dad put you up to this? Like, the humiliation of that? Because, yes. like, there is a little bit of that. And Shit. Yeah, I mean, I just don't even really see myself getting married. So, like, let alone <laughs> all of this. Well, we all have trust issues now simply because of this book series. It's a lot, dude. Like, I don't know. I mean, I this is where I start to think, you know, oh, like, truth is stranger than fr- fiction. And, like, I really do think V.C. Andrews had something really terrible happen in her life, like, of this. She's a cute lady. Look at her. I wonder too, or did she do one of those 60s, 70s things? Yeah. She's awesome. She looks like Anna Nicole's cousin, Shelly, if she had had like a good life. (laughs) Right. She, 
I also wonder if she did a, like a 60s hippie thing where she kind of was like, I want to write books. I'm just going to, what's the thing? What's the thing no one can say? Yeah. Like, I'm going to take it. It's not horror, but it's like, it's, it's a version. It's almost like women's horror. What's the, it's the inverse of like, a, what do you call those books that Harlequin romance? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, I'm going to take that and, and invert it and make it like socially taboo and then go from there i mean what like what's that thing i feel like i've heard someone say that's like people want like the like the love story but they all want also want like the opposite of that like people want to see the worst nightmare as well and like we certainly saw that today but like (laughs) this said like even even this though it's so i mean it's both dark enough that like Okay, I, I mean, I could see someone like having a dark day and making this up, but it's also not very dark in some ways. It's very playful, like not playful, very downplayed in certain areas. Yes. And so it's like the subtlety to it is what makes me wonder if she even knows how fucked up this is. Right, because there is a point where like Kathy has that speech about this is natural, how we feel about each other, and it's not our fault we're trapped up here. And like, yes, it is very much as this rationalization of of that behavior which is actually at the end of the day just very indulgent and base and and just kind of like well you're just being gross and then saying it's fine it's literally anytime you're listening to someone who's like telling you about their parent or something and you're just like honey you are telling me everything and it's nothing of what you're saying like yeah you have no idea i kind of feel like that with vc anders i'm like girl i feel like i read your therapy journal and like i'm reading between the lines and i'm seeing developments that you're not gonna they're not gonna hit you for another 10 years but also there's something to the it's it's so permissive and it's permissive in this area that's almost like the church says you can't have these thoughts or this is forbidden or this is whatever yeah and it's someone that went check this shit out. I just wrote a whole romance novel of it. Like that to me, that was definitely the draw growing up where you really weren't supposed to be reading it. You weren't supposed to like, I don't know if you've ever read wifey, which is the Judy bloom adult book. No, like, and all my, of course my mom read that the second it came out. So you read that and the whole thing was about people having affairs and really just like really accurate descriptions of different ways of people fucking and all this stuff. But this, this was a step beyond. And so it was like even more, I don't know, there's something really brilliant to it because it's people kind of having permission to release the like self-loathing about the things that pass through our heads that we can't control. Yeah. That it's just like, yeah, when you're watching this and suddenly you're like cheering for brother and sister make out, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It's just kind of like, these it's are the situation we yeah. have. Yeah. 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 I mean, ultimately, we all want the best for each other. <laughs> we just want to make out in an attic with our hot brother. I did not expect this. I will say that. I did not know what this movie was about. I knew it was something that I wasn't ready to take on. I, I've <laughs> learned a lot. And now that I have these other movies, I'm just like, I'm not even sure what I'm going to do with myself. Like, the second one sounds like three more movies to me. Yes. I don't know. Time really moves fast in this world. And I will say <laughs> I do apologize to V.C. Andrews family or whoever cares about that for saying for maybe suggesting that she wasn't as creative as she was. OK, <laughs> she well, She definitely was because this is just one of the many V.C. Andrews. Yes. Arenas that you can go into. Also, think of it like when we were all reading these books at the same time in the early 80s, it was like 
it was like a whole swath of like pre out adolescent or preteen girls that all had the same secret. Yes. And the secret was incest. It was just like, did you read it? Did you read the book? And like everyone had it. People knew they had it. But like what we were actually thinking about and, and like indulging in was really taboo. So like, fuck you, Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, yes. no, high key, actually. shit. No, because like, like that is some rocking literature sexually for a lot of people out there. True. We're talking some late spanking, maybe. <laughs> True. And these people, she's like, VC Andrews like, how about we take a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old, <laughs> make them related, and then they fuck. And then they just, and the heat builds in the attic for yeah. two years. And then and that's going to sweep the suburb reading community like that's crazy like that really is that's a that's a feat congratulations Missy Anders I hope like maybe she doesn't have shitty kids or something who sold this and made money off of it she's still alive no no way she's not but I think people I think I think she has a good legacy she just died in 1986 I mean I guess that's like pretty that's pretty long ago but wait she didn't she didn't live that long Born 1923, died 1986. She's like her 60s? That's not a long life. Yeah, she like basically was, she, I mean, she's died 20 years before my grandmother. It's like yeah. 50s, girl. That's yeah. really, that's not, that's, that's early. Not it's very young. She had a lot going on. Uh, she did. I hope she's okay. <laughs> I'm going to look up how she died. I can't find it. Um, well, anyway, Karen. Thank this you is for like a doing this. Episode, Malls. We just kept on talking. No, this is regular. <laughs> is- <laughs> this is how long we go. <laughs> but we have to do our scale really quick, and then I'll let you go. Okay. This is the best episode, though. I think everyone's going to be really happy about it. It's oh, good. Highly anticipated because I mean, you guys said it on the show. You sent so many of your amazing listeners over to That's us. That's right. That's so right. do you know? Like, people will casually bring it up to me, and they'll be like. I don't know. Like, maybe you should do flowers in the attic. I'm like, I know why you're saying that. And I agree. Like, first of all, I've been fucking avoiding that movie. I would only do that with Karen or Georgia. But secondly, yes, I know why you're saying that. Um, And Georgia, just so everyone knows, we tried to plan this. We've been trying to plan it pretty much since we said it and could not get three schedules to work at the same time and finally georgia just went could you just please do it because we keep trying like oh i took no i took i was like oh georgia just is like not doing it and i was like cool yeah i was like i think she just got tired of like this this plan hanging over her head also this is a lot to this is this three voices on this would be a lot to manage i would have been interrupting her quite quite a bit we would have been here till dawn all right <laughs> i still have stuff to discuss i'm i'm trying going for brevity here all these hours later so for real um the way that we do the scale is like you know we say one is the closest to a real movie five is the closest to a very lifetime movie usually for reference we ask people their favorite movie i forget what you said last time but what you consider to be the finest like made for lifetime movie no movie ever like Oh, like Silence of the Lambs. Yes. Like the most You might have picked Silence of the Lambs last time. Yeah. Same with with me, Silence of the Lambs. Great acting, great everything. Beautiful directing, yeah. It's up there. Yes. So Silence of the Lambs is one, and then Mother (laughs) May I Sleep with Danger, whether you've seen it or not, you get the gist, is number five. So on on the lifetime you scale your acting, are we giving this closer to a um, Silence of the Lambs or Mother May I Sleep with Danger? Definitely, I would say this is like a four. Heavily um, carried by Ellen Burstyn, though. I'd give this like a three. You would? Well, I mean, Ellen Burstyn's like great and like she really carries this, but... 
And you're right, because also I thought Heather Graham, I was so quick to judge Heather Graham. Yeah. And by the end, she bought back all of the ill will that I needed to project at the beginning. 100%. Which is kind of a great turn and more fun for the viewer to be like, wait, she was doing a thing. Yeah. Or she like, wasn't an innocent. is Heather Graham just like a national treasure? And like, we need to accept that she'll bring this to whatever. Yes. And we love it for that. Yeah. I don't know. I, let's give it like a three. Okay. Three sounds reasonable believability of the world and characters i mean <laughs> this um, one really stabs one. away at everything because here's like this is a world where social security numbers don't exist sure and, and neither do uh child welfare or time time itself <laughs> yeah. um yeah there's there's a there's distinct lack of believability. Yeah, this is like a four, five, four point five, or a five for me. Yes. I mean, like the only thing that could be, the only thing that gives us buyability is the aspect of like having no idea what that kind of money is like, and yes. like really what the end of it is. That you could basically tell us anything, and we'd be like, "Well, I have to buy this from you because I'm." Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I don't know what we don't know what the end of their wealth looks like, like how much they have. Um, creative. Also, I think sorry, but it does put it up there too. A teenage boy that's kindly, repeatedly yeah. kind. I just haven't seen it. No, like never seen it. And not in that, not at that age. And that kind of like he's yoked enough so that you're like, well, you used to work out and or were yeah. on a football team. So you him coming in and constantly being like, that's okay, mother. Yeah, make it work. Like I've never seen that in and my life. And just like how aware of their wholesomeness and okay with it they were. Like usually when a, when someone knows that your whole family looks like dolls and like you're this perfect family, there's a little bit of like, uh, well then fuck you to that. <laughs> yeah. But they're all, they're all really leaning into the doll <laughs> lifestyle. Uh, creative use of words to avoid censorship. So like instead of a fuck you, like a frick or something like that. We didn't see a ton in this movie. No, but I would say it should get credit for how much it alluded to things and never put any kind of a finger directly yeah. on the nerve. Yeah, you it, again. There and was I made imagery a hundred times, probably because of my Catholic guilt, my sense of Catholic guilt. But it made you do all that work. Yes. you are definitely doing all the dirty work in this movie, except for the centaur or whatever, because <laughs> that is just unholy. Um, <laughs> I guess, like, I mean, three. Want to just give it a three? Sure. This movie fucking doubles down in every way. Yes. Dialogue. I mean, it wasn't the worst. I'm going to say that. Yes, it wasn't the worst, but it sure was repetitive. Yeah. I mean, like, every time that door opened, the wig lady was standing there with the Bible, like, shaking the finger and saying, I told you you were going to fuck. Yeah. I mean, it was just that over and over again. And these movies are like, I can't, this is a kind of a new element for me, but I realized like, oh, they're all 127 minutes, like in 30 seconds change, basically. Yeah. Every single one. And this one, they went up to 130. <laughs> and they also gave this movie something I've never seen on Lifetime before, which is a, just so you know, this might disturb you warning at the very beginning of the movie. Really? That was, and I was like, sis, like, that is every movie you have. Like, what are you about to show me? And then part of me was like, maybe it's because they did so much press for this that they're like, we're going to be bringing in a whole group of people that don't know. Yes. But like, I mean, I guess incest is a good line. Like if you're going to draw a line lifetime, but like also it's probably the least realistic. Like there's probably way more people at home dealing with like a bad teenage daughter. That's maybe going to murder you. Yes. Then 
you know, a whole family being incested in the attic. Yes, that's very true. This is like the hyper romanticized version of what's the worst problem you can have. Uh, for sure, <laughs> for sure. And, but also, I remember uh, when this movie first came out, it had the distinct honor of being on the billboard at the cross of Barham. That's why I said to Sammy. I said, I said to her, I said, not only is that like a big billboard, I said, that's like the showbiz billboard. Yes. I was like, that's when you're like, every executive, every everyone is going to see this. And that's actually probably the thing I knew the most about Flowers in the Attic was right. that I had to stare at that billboard every day. When I came over that hill, the first time I saw that, I was like, oh shit, they're, re- they're rebooting the dirtiest franchise from my childhood. That's it was such a like when that when that happened, it was just such a perfect thing of like, of course, they're doing this. Well, that billboard also either goes like super high end or just like, why is this like my little ponies like hub network <laughs> yes. ad? Like, how could yep. they possibly afford this? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's I love that we both had that reference point because I literally said to Sammy, all I knew was was this billboard. Yeah. Um, OK, so dialogue. Did we land on a number? Do you want to say like? three yeah it didn't it there wasn't anything egregious yeah um except for but but it for me having read the books i knew that it was pretty true to the books i mean this is a highly this is a pretty budgety lifetime movie and i know that also by the way i read this on wikipedia they use like vintage cameras for the cinematography to like get the feel that's cool which is like that's a big thing for them like they shoot these movies in two weeks in with Haley duff in vancouver and like they got the their they got the script like a week before this is a big deal for them. Yes. They really, they, they were putting their all into this knowing people were going to watch it no matter what it looks like because yeah. it was flowers in the attic. I could say maybe stop at flowers in the attic. Like they then had to secure Ellen Burstyn and Heather Graham for Heather Graham did all four, I think. Wow. So like, that's a big name ish to yeah. do four movies, especially for lifetime? when it was probably, Both of them. it was probably in a deal too. If like you do the original, then we get, more money for the last three 100 percent. i don't i mean i i almost can't say that i agree with lifetime about the money they spent on this probably but that's fine (laughs) wardrobe i mean it's fucking great for this for lifetime it was great i yeah i feel like every time ellen burson walked in with a new brooch i was like yep rich lady there was they were doing all of that heather graham looked great and the only thing I, i like that's always like kind of glaring when they do it great in a lifetime movie is when it's that one sweater. You're like, I fucking know that gap sweater. <laughs> like it's always that one gap sweater where you're like, God damn it. Like, yeah. couldn't you have gone to the warehouse store? Let's yes. give that a one hair and makeup. This is like, this is where they kind of fucked up. Cause we got the wig. Yes. We got the terrible sick makeup where everyone kind of just looked like a glowing little ghost child. Yes. Um, we have Ellen Burstyn's thing, yes. whatever you want to call that. The, this spider web incident. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And even like the dad's like bizarre hair in the beginning where it's kind of like, are you a redhead or a blonde? And this is very like, it was very groomed. It was like of the era, but like to the point where it was like kind of starting to be a cartoon. Yes. Because of that. I think that bizarre blonde mustache didn't help anything. Yeah. Like what is that supposed, is he supposed to seem, I think he was supposed to seem older than her. Blonde men in general, not great. Like, not really, like, the most trustworthy people, I would say. <laughs> right. But then definitely steer away from the facial hair. No, you don't. A blonde facial hair, unless you are, like, um, you have really thick hair and it's going to come in in a powerful way, 
anything less than that is going to just come off super molesty. Have you seen the Sasha Baron Cohen, Sasha Baron Cohen show? Um, Who is America? Yeah. Not yet. When the, Okay, there's a blonde lady who, like, cuts her pubes off, and they are so yellow. They're so blonde. Oh, no. And as, like, dark-haired sisters, I don't think we knew. <laughs> no. That you could, you had, like, you were rocking clear pubes if you're blonde. <laughs> I did not know. Like, I was like, this is fucking wild, man. This is the craziest part of this show is, like, check <laughs> this out so um i know <laughs> me um so hair and makeup i mean this is like kind of like a three or four they went with more they three they tried yes. and they also went with a lot of looks too they really went for stuff that's very true because sometimes in these lifetime movies it really does seem like byo yeah everyone's like well you know, you can get a lit, a lit mirror, but yeah. there's going to be nobody here to put on your base foundation and powder. For a lot of these people, you know, I know they picked them because it's like you showed up to the central casting thing and you really tried on your outfit. Yeah. And like, that's how you got picked and why you're here today, <laughs> yes. which is, I would say, an incentive for everyone in Hollywood to remember to care. Yes. Um. So let's give it a three because they, okay. they tried to do something. Music. Now, this had no licensed music there was no like big hit Mm -mm. um it was kind of just normal cinematic music nothing that stood out so kind of like a two maybe it's not bad or good no no it wasn't it didn't stand out which i think is good yes yeah most of the time they are like very loud and distracting crying um well we got that great ellen burston scene oh we need well i'm talking like that good tory spelling cry which i think ellen burston kind of delivered on she went very extra she went extra but the the brilliance of good acting is going extra and keeping it grounded it's the hardest thing to do where it's like you're not crying like you've seen everybody cry in their car you're crying in a way that's going to keep you up that night and you still believe she she's an old lady standing on some stairs so i feel like ellen burston really brought home the prize to a disturbing point she was really the only person who cried in this movie yes i mean we saw heather graham did a great job being like kind of laid out after the death but that was as you said like like xanax acting and there was the christmas scene where when chris the first time chris is mad at her it cuts away from heather graham's face and when it cuts back she has the saline tears Uh, rolling down her cheeks that actually was a laugh moment for me yeah i think it was supposed to show in retrospect now that she really didn't give a shit but she knew she was supposed to cry at that point totally totally yeah i agree let's give it a let's give it a three okay whatever sure uh victimization of the female character typically in lifetime movies the woman is the victim and this is this is one of my faves because it's multi-layered yep who's the fucking victim here that's i say chris (laughs) (laughs) like poor dumb chris like he's not working with the cards that anyone is no he is Stuck up in that attic with his boner. Yeah. I feel very bad for him. Sammy, do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> but He's like, fighting it. He's fighting the feeling as long as he can. I mean, I would say all the everyone is a victim in this story, except for maybe Corinne. Do we feel for Corinne? I mean, in the beginning I did, and then by the end, no, because you realize she's just a sociopath that's getting what she wants. I hope. I mean, I hope that's best case scenario yeah. is that Curran's a sociopath, which yeah. is a bleak reality. It is. Um, I mean, this is this is pretty heavy on like just sexual abuse and everything like that. So, I, I mean, this is a five for me just because it's all it hits all the lifetime marks. Yes. Um, failure and or refusal to jump to the logical conclusion. I mean, all this is one big failure to do that. Yes. As more than most movies are. 
But there's so many times where they should have tried to run, like, before the fence was erected. Yes. Like, that whole idea that somebody then was like, you better build an electric fence. Like, what for? Well, especially because, like, it was a lot of, as we said, like, Chris justifying this, like, the whole thing that's going on. And, I mean, that, it took him, he was, to say slow to the punch is generous. Like, it <laughs> took him to years and literally still having realizations as they were running out that his mom was the donut poisoner yes that realization killed me i'm like chris if you even fix your face to suggest that this is a surprise to you i swear to fucking god <laughs> this is a five for me okay everything drop plot lines no no big ones no that's typically a huge problem and, but but they have the um they're lucky because uh the books are have hashed it all out so it's not like the people who had to basically like take the drew peterson story and then be like what is important and i what know isn't important well the other thing with this is like i didn't have i've never read the book so like this is would you from from your memories is pretty true to the book it is i just think that there was a lot of like um there was key character development things that i think i would have chosen to keep in but i can't really think of what they are offhand yeah that would have that would have kind of made it feel less like four blonde strangers being attracted to each other in odd ways. Yeah. Yeah. Let's give this a one. It was very real. Uh, and then font mm-hmm. slash titles, like basically for me, one, they went all out with that flowers in the attic graphic. And I really, really like the opening just like coming up on a creepy old mansion is a great way to start anything. For me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so this is strong. Uh, Sammy, what's our score for this one? 33 that's a high one this is pretty high i think like our highest one ever was like 57 and we might have just been shit-faced and like angry (laughs) by the end but um yeah this is like um the highest one ever was sammy do you remember what was it um another woman's husband yeah that was me and my friend ronnie just went hard it's 50 (laughs) we went 50 it's elisa renna learns how to swim for a man By the way, I want to say the only thing that would have made this movie better is Juno Temple. That's for everyone at oh. home playing bingo. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my center square. Okay. And um, I'm trying to think. I think we I think we kind of nailed this, Karen. Thank you so much for being here. Um, that's my pleasure. Obviously, people can find you at My Favorite Murder, and also you guys are on tour. And you have – that's right. You have a new network. You have a book. Do you want to talk about that or – Sure. Well, the book isn't coming out until next May. So. I ordered it. I'm psyched. Um, thank you. Wait, um, is it written yet? Yeah. Okay. It's all in the works. They just showed us the cover, which is very exciting. Do you like it? Yes, I okay, love it. Good. it. It's very low-key, and it looks like a real book. Like, oh. When I picked it up, I was like, ooh, this looks real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's exciting. But the network, I guess, is the most, like, the soonest coming up, which is Georgia Hartsark and I just started our own podcast network called exactly right media very exciting and we're just going to be collecting all the podcasts of all our friends and family and putting together a podcast network i guess that's fucking awesome like through 2019 that's very exciting i'm so excited for you guys and i can't wait to read your book i don't know when you had time to write that we never did it was a humongous pain in the ass and we did it like while we were on tour and while we were doing a bunch of other stuff yeah so the one thing we were sad about is that we really wanted to complain about it, but we had to keep it a secret for a really long time. Oh, so right, right, right. Very frustrating because we'd go to record the podcast and not be able to really be honest. I can about- imagine that there was like, if people went back and were like, oh, they seem like peeved about something that they're not saying, <laughs> that yeah. might be it. Yep. That might be it. It wasn't just the stress of touring, you guys. No. But that's crazy. You guys tour everywhere. Yes. It's so exciting. I know. It's very fun. 
Karen, you're a hit. This is really, really exciting. I really appreciate you doing this. Wags appreciates it. My pleasure. The audience, I'm sure, will love this. I can't wait. Thank you so so much. You guys, this was so. Are you going to put up a warning before that this is. No, they're all terrible. It's all lifetime movies. Like, everyone (laughs) gets hurt in every episode. So, we're all going to go down on this one. No, this is not bad. We've had to make light of, like, Mary Kay Letourneau and shit like that. So, we do, yeah. 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 We ran through Drew Peterson. It's okay. Uh, Right? I mean, that's people know what they're buying into. And these are fake people. So there's that. That's right. All right. Well, you guys, (laughs) thank you so much. You have a good week and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Wags. See ya. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.